Woe to you, O podcast listener, for the beast brings you a brand new episode of Art and Jacob Do America. This week, the boys talk about the metal years, a redo of a past episode that was not quite up to par, but we correct our sins and retell the stories of how they became metalheads and their journey through the genre that is heavy metal and the friendships and the loves, heartbreaks that ensued. Stay tuned. product like their their main product it's kind of hit or miss lately but like the nostalgia factor they do and all of the documentaries and the mm-hmm. that's all fucking fantastic oh yeah because you can tell like yeah. there's some care put into that but speaking of nostalgia 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 we are here today to kind of redo a past episode um to forgive the sins of past mistakes if you will of uh <laughs> episode three the Metal Years episode. I would say this is almost like a part two because we, we laid down the groundwork and things that we liked and all all throughout the years that we we did. But this is more of a refining it, and mm-hmm. going a little more in depth into yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. So when we did that episode, uh, we didn't have Eric Castillo. Hi. Um, on that, so uh, we're gonna give it a little bit of a uh, conditioning here with him on there. So. A little bit of a retread, a little yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. With that said, Eric, do you want to start? Because what I was thinking is we can go how Art and I did it before. We kind of did a, a pre, pre-metal pre years. So mm-hmm. um, as we were growing up, I know Art said, you know, in his household, he you know, had a lot of like Rolling Stones, uh, the Doors going on. For me, it was uh, a lot of Christian music, uh, contemporary Christian music, and uh, uh, Dionne Warwick going on in my household. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? that lady, what is Dionne Warwick? Yeah. First of all, she has psychic friends. What? Was he, what? <laughs> Dion Warwick. <laughs> Second of all, she's Whitney Houston's aunt. Oh, okay. And third of all, she asks the the most important question, maybe of all time, of Do you know the way to San Jose? <laughs> oh, okay. Assert that sample here. But anyways, Eric, <laughs> I want to start this off since you know we're redoing it. We're getting yep. you into the fold now. Um, what 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 was your household like before you started getting into metal? So my household, my my parents both uh, both Mexican, um, both learned both English is their second language. Oh wow! Um, uh, neither one really started learning until they got into school, which was would have been about seven eight years old, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the music, uh, there was a lot of Spanish music going on in the house, you know. Um, and there was you know some of the the more traditional stuff, like very early on, like I vaguely recall. But uh, as as I started really kind of coming into like consciousness, uh, there was a lot more of, of the more uh, at that time modern contemporary you know uh, 
Linda Ronstadt, fucking uh, La Sombra y Gavino, um, like all of, like, uh, and then of course you know like Little Joe and a couple of other guys that were like old, old, old shit, but like nineteen fifties doo wop, yeah, kind yeah of exactly, yeah, yeah. Doo-wop, Mexican doo wop, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but there was a lot of that going on in the house, and then with uh, on my mom's end, um, it became a little bit more countrified. You know what I mean? Hank Williams, not the not Junior or the Third, but Hank Williams was a lot in the house. Um, I know so many words to so many Alan Jackson songs just because she played them on repeat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and then my dad took more of a rock kind of a, an aspect of the uh, of the still Hispanic sound. So a lot of Carlos Santana. Um, that was a huge, huge, big influence on me. Um, a lot of um, actually a lot of like the contemporary stuff of older musicians. And the one that, that makes me think of the most is um, Elton John put out a, an album called Sleeping with the Past. And I, to this day, like I, I probably couldn't um, rattle it off right now. But if you start playing the album, I could probably sing along with every single one of those songs all the way through. And it's not, uh, it's not one of his most famous records. It was at that time he was, you know, he, he basically wears a uh, toupee and colors his hair now. You know, he was balding <laughs> and had gray hair, you know, white hair, you know, and it was that one album he did like that. And it was very kind of 80s contemporary, but, you know, mm-hmm. so it was, it was kind of that style. Um and so, you know, coming up, it was a lot of that. And so for myself, you know, when I started really getting to my own music and, and there was never, you know, when I was growing up, there was never any kids music. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. have any um, like kids albums or any shit like that. You know what I mean? So I remember that, too. Like for me, like I think that's why I'm I don't want to use the word eclectic, but, it, you know, I have an eclectic taste because I didn't have, you know, that existed. I remember like yeah. if I'd go to like a friend's house or whatever, like there'd be like whatever the 80s or, you know, early 90s equivalent to like kids bop or whatever. And I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know, my mom was listening to like in her cool years before she became all super Christian. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of Van Halen, you know, like a lot of, you know, like, you know, White Snake, And then, you know, she would go into like the Whitney Houston part of it or whatever. So like a lot of cool music at the yeah. time it was going on. And it was never, you know, you know, my intelligence was never insulted with, you know, like, how much is that dog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I credit to having my early childhood yeah. of that. And then even like the, you know, the when my mom got super Christian, like when it was like that contemporary Christian music. I mean, I don't like that type of music, but there was a lot of talented singers and songwriters songwriters. Like there's a guy named Michael W. Smith. Like He's a really good lyricist. Like, he can craft a really good touching song. You know, Art and I, before we started the podcast, we were talking about, you know, the remake to Aladdin. Uh, the the guy that did the music oh, for yeah. that, Alan Menken, he's a fucking genius. And he wrote all those early, you know, Disney, you know, or 80s to, you know, mid-90s classics. And so it's like that Michael W. Smith portion of it, like, he was a really good songwriter. He can convey an emotion to you, so... You kind of start to respect that game, you know what I mean? You yeah, start to yeah. respect the aspects of it, yeah. Yeah, so just like um, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so when I when I started getting my own musical sensibilities, it became a lot of uh, kind of that influence, that country, that, that Hispanic style, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know... And so for me, that naturally kind of uh, progressed into blues, you know, and yeah, so... Yeah, I've noticed that about you. You're yeah. Big blues influence, like especially in your guitar playing, yeah. like guitar players that you enjoy. My four, my four gods, my four gods. Uh, Clapton is number one, and then in no particular order after that is Steve Ray Vaughan, Carlos Santana, and Jimi Hendrix. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Those are those are the guys, and um, and then when you know listening to that, you know, just kind of 
Uh, again, that's just those four in particular is fairly eclectic, you know, and Clapton mm-hmm. is the only one that played with all three of them. You know what I mean? No, there was no really other combination. I think Hendrix and Santana played like once at some like little concert somewhere, but you know. I think um, it was in San Francisco, I believe. Probably, it probably yeah. was. Probably yeah. at the Fillmore or something like that. Yeah. But, um, and so. Did you, you know, know Jimi Hendrix played here at the Fox Theater? I did not. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it's actually dope. in a. Um, <laughs> This word has been coming up a lot. It was actually in an almanac from ba- for Bakersfield. Yeah, Jimmy kind of showed him um, up on the stage. Yeah, just yeah. laying at the. It's Fox. pretty nuts, dude. Yeah, that theater. They need to really like make sure that theater doesn't burn down one day because yeah. it's so historic now. Mm-hmm. It's so old. <laughs> yeah, so that's another. Like, like that's it's another. Like, word. like it is. Like it is historic. Like it's got those aspects to it. But when I say old, like you can tell. Like this, you you look in the building, like, well, fuck, this is old, man. You know, what you I mean, really like, need to make sure it doesn't turn yeah. into a Mexican buffet. There's probably <laughs> there's probably enough asbestos in it though that it won't burn down. It'll be fine. <laughs> probably. Um, no, but and then like through that, you know, the, again, those are four guitar heavy musicians, and uh-huh. so you know, uh, from that, I did learn about like BB King and um, uh, fucking uh, well, all the the three kings, you know, Blind Lemon Jefferson. I learned about uh, uh, the Blues Breakers, John <coughs> Mayle, uh, which was you know that was John Mayle and the Blues Breakers has Eric Clapton's first time singing on it, um, and uh, you know, so I I kind of get, went back into that kind of you know older music like that. And the modern music, it became a lot of guys like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani, Ingwe Malmsteen, you know what I mean? And so G3. Yeah, yeah. so I'm already going into kind of that rock sensibility, but it's a lot more of the still very musical and still not necessarily heavy and dirty fucking. Mm -hmm. It's just very early on, um, I I, I learned that I like uh, passionate and aggressive music. And you can be passionate and aggressive with, you know, an acoustic and you know, doing something country or doing something, you know, folk, you know what I mean? And, and so when I, when I realized that that's what I liked, that's what I started to, to get into, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so that so was your bridge was basically, okay. You had like, you know, the Mexican influence, which is basically to like, when you get to Santana still keeps his roots yeah. in the Mexican part of it, but also incorporates, you know, the blues and the rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the, you know, modern yeah. you know, metal music. And then the, the country aspect of it for my mom, um, and well, just growing up at Tehachapi also kind of led into that growing up because country was, it was very, it wasn't necessarily a complex thing. You know, it was something that was very lyric based. It was something that was very kind of chord heavy. Um, that there was a lot of, you know, talking about, you know, the feeling and just kind of, you know, the same kind of a very similar mindset as blues, you know, traditional mm-hmm. blues, you know what I mean? Well, country, like traditional country. I mean, that's basically just Irish folk music, you know, yeah, that, you very know, much so, yeah. Yeah. That, developed into the blues you know you know the you know early blues musicians you know taking that inspiration to make their own twist to it so yeah i mean i could see how that you know bridge can form yeah yeah and so i and so still you know if if it comes up you know i occasionally if there's something catchy on kuzz or something like that some little country stations but when it comes on i'll I'll, i still prefer to listen to old merle or uh, hank williams or stuff like that you know what i mean because that song, like like you were saying, that songwriting, that lyricism, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That the, the stories that they told, they told stories, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in a lot of that old good country. And there's some, you know, good country today that's, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you know, it's just like anything else. The stuff that's easily accessible. Nah, man. Nah. It's meant to sell yeah. as opposed to like stand the test of time. Yeah, you're right, though. I remember I, I had this conversation with a coworker of mine. They were trying to be like, oh, not all country music's horrible because... To me, country music is my least favorite, you know, form of uh, country music. But I was like, you know what? I'll concede to this. If I hear like a really good older, you know, Johnny Cash song mm-hmm. or, you know, Patsy Cline or whatever, you can tell like in these songs have, you know, you know, t- lasted the test of time. You know, like that is a really good song. I might not necessarily like your genre, but I can point you out and say, hey, you know, that was a great song. Yeah. 
that conveyed, you know, because art, not not our friend here, <laughs> but maybe you too as well. Mm-hmm. I'll include you on in it. But true art, you know, is not meant to be, you know, looked at once and thrown away. Yeah. You look at the Mona Lisa, that's meant to be, meant to last, you know, uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of years, you know, looked at and it's still beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look at a Patsy Cline song, you can hear the heartbreak, you know, and it's right there up there with like a song that came from my childhood, like a Selena song, you know, where it conveys like some kind of emotion to you. It still speaks to you all these years later. It puts you in their shoes. That's really interesting to me. Like, so like people that tend to have like country music in the background or like blues music in the background as like early childhood, like tend to still like when um, Jesus is on here and he told us about some country song about some like prostitute whose like son turned out to be a priest or something like that mm-hmm. and you have to listen to oh, the whole the three thing crosses, yeah yeah and it's like you have to tell you have to yeah. listen to the whole story so you can get the whole listen to the whole song so you can get the full story and i feel like that kind of stuff doesn't really do anything for me because i just never really liked that kind of storytelling but mm-hmm. it's always interesting to you know go back to the beginning and find out where the roots are and why people like that style of of uh of music or storytelling in their music because for me it's like i don't really like storytelling in my music i like like it to be all like yeah mm-hmm. mysterious and vague but then you know when we talked about our episode I, I went back to a lot of like what my dad listened to which was like the doors and the rolling stones or something like that where it was you know you know it's up to you to break down whatever you want to yeah. hear yeah, in yeah. jim jim uh jim morrison's lyrics so it's like that's kind of where my background is I, I trace it all the way back to that like that old like mysterious and poetic and weird and Mm -hmm. i still enjoy that today so that's your benchmark yeah yeah Yeah, i can see that in you like when you said that when i re-listened to it recently at the gym uh, i was like you know i can see you know the way art's musical taste comes from is because his benchmark is jim morrison there's a lot of darkness there but at the same time there's a lot of poetic energy that comes out of it i think that's a big word poetry yeah, yeah and you, you can use your own illusion if i can borrow a guns and roses thing <laughs> but yeah like i love that too or it's just like like i hate things that you know it holds your hand and it tells you okay this is about you know a doggy in the window you know that's yeah. it that there's no more to this song that's what it is you listen to it once and then you go about your day or whatever mm-hmm. you know a song you know like from the doors you know mm-hmm. get on the blue bus or whatever like what the fuck are you talking about here <laughs> ride the snake yep. yeah yeah the snake is long <laughs> seven miles long it's like what does that all mean yeah. like are you talking about a pornographic <laughs> movie here sir or what, what's going on you know what i'm saying so i i you can tell with, with art with that like i can see that and then yeah. it, you talking about your early you know influences you know like a lot of spanish a lot of country and it bleeds into you know the stereotypical eric impersonation it was like yeah man i'm just gonna jump on here and play some blues you know what i'm saying it's, i always associated yeah. the blues with like eric and like mm-hmm. you know just Los when you guys were in a band and eric would like start soloing and it was like a straight up blues riff even yep. though it was like a metal yep. band it was like yeah that's, that's eric man like uh-huh. that's who you are yeah and i i, I it is a huge part and and i think uh kind of going back to the storytelling idea you know and and, and kind of like you were saying you know you don't want to be insulted with you know uh, look at this you know the doggy in the window whatever the fuck mm-hmm. i think that writing a song that is telling a story um it's very similar to like trying to write a book that's a story you know what i mean it's yeah. trying to you know, uh, as opposed to like poetry or something like that. And the fact that, you know, you can, you can have like a young adult book or something or a kid's book where every little thing is given to you and every little detail and all mm-hmm. of the obvious, you know, but it, you, it is possible to tell a story that is still compelling, that you still don't know what's going to happen at the end. That's still mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, it's a craft, it's a craft. And so I think it's very similar, you know, the songwriters that, that do kind of that where they're, they, they elicit emotion, mm-hmm. even though they're, they're, telling you pretty much this is exactly you know this is what i'm laying out you know this is what's happening 
um, it is still possible to do that in a way that is still meaningful and still, you know, interesting, you know. Um, it's the difference but, between art and entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can have both and they can still intersect, but it's, you know, like I always make this example too. There's, to me, the ultimate artist is someone like your Trent Reznor. Now, he can still be very entertaining. Art and I have been to many of Nine Inch Nails concerts and they're very fucking entertaining, entertaining, but there's a certain art behind it. Now, the other spectrum of it, somebody I like equally as well, but doesn't have the artistic side of it, is Snoop Dogg. He, he's, yeah. he's, he's one of the ultimate entertainers, you know, since 1991. You know, he's been around, you know, and 30 some odd years later, you know, he's still, you know, relevant. He was on yeah. first tape talking about fucking Kawhi Leonard or whatever. He's still a relevant voice yep. in entertainment. Now, he can have some artistic merit. But at the same time, it's not going to be like Trent Reznor, yeah. you know, but that's the difference. Like I said, there's your ultimate entertainer and your ultimate artist. And sometimes those things, those two worlds can intersect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think Snoop Dogg is definitely a good example of that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. he, has, he definitely has moments, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. I think early on, you know, I think those are his better years. And I think most <laughs> people would agree that those are his better years because uh, uh, his last album never left or something it was just kind of like Goo. I'm not even sure <laughs> but, but uh his best work I still, work I still no definitely limit. yeah I still definitely you know respect I mean? the guy like I'd still <laughs> wait what'd you say I said his best work was No Limit you know oh, what I mean no. oh it's No Limit oh, I think, I think that one I think, cool song I, I just no gave an aneurysm oh my heart just hurt <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm but that kind of leads into like my early, yeah. you know, like, you know, not to rehash the old episode, but like I came from a household where, you know, when my dad would come over because my mom and dad weren't married, you know, he would put on MTV and like I would just lay on the carpet watching, you know, like, you know, the Madonnas, watching your princes, watching, you know, Michael Jackson's, watching Guns N' Roses, watching, you know, when Metallica's one came out. I remember when that actually debuted. That was a huge deal. And being like two years old and watching all of this and ingesting it. And knowing, okay, yeah, this is what's going on now, but is this for me, you know? Like, is this what I like? And I remember I was always attracted to, you know, hip-hop early on. And then what, you know, became my music, my benchmark, if you will, was always, like, the hip-hop yeah. at the time. And I remember, you know, when, you know, The Chronic came out. And I remember my older cousin, he came to visit for a summer, and he left his tape with The Chronic and Doggy Style, yeah. you know, in, you know, my tape deck. And I remember just listening to those over and over and over and being fascinated by, you know, those stories, you know, the day that mm, took over. Yeah. Like I remember, I, <laughs> that's still one of the dopest songs ever. Yeah. Dope is like bass lines ever. Yeah, and to this day, it, I, I like art with his, you know, the Doors. Like that is my benchmark for music, along with like Prince and Michael Jackson and whatnot. But that like hardness to it, that rawness, that realness to me, like that is like what you know. I yeah yeah, I seeing Michael Jackson, you know get up there and you know shake it and twist around or whatever that's cool that's entertaining or whatever yeah. but i like that music because i art and i both grew up in the hood we grew up in east bakersfield and during a time where there was a still a crack ep- epidemic i remember one of the stories i always tell people is is i remember you know playing you know with the hot wheels out in the front yard on you know water street and all of a sudden this guy walked by i remember he looked right in my eyes and then he kept walking a couple more feet and then there was another guy sitting on the ground, and I just remember he just busted like four or five shots in his chest and then just kept walking. Yep. At two or three years old, when you see a murder like that, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to sit there and want the Care Bear soundtrack. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You want something that speaks to you, speaks to you know your mentality. And I remember a couple of years later, you know, I remember getting out of school, just getting out of school. I got shot in the arm by somebody that was robbing the 7-Eleven across, you know, Noble Elementary. And to this day, you know, I have this big old, you know, bullet wound or whatever. So you're not going to sell me, you know, on your 
how much is that dog in the window? Yeah, yeah. I want something like, you know, Dr. Dre's The Chronic. I want to, you know, hear, you know, murder was the case, you know, because this is what I'm seeing, you know, at a very young age, this is realness. I'm seeing people getting jumped into gangs at eight, yeah. nine years old. So I need that. I need to, I need to see what's real. Art is going to always, not Arturo, <laughs> but maybe him, but you know, true artistic music is going to be a reflection of your own society. You know, I look at art every time we do this, he's right across. I think he's a pretty decent reflection of me. You know, uh, you're thanks. a good looking man. You're a good looking man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, 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 I really agree with Jacob on that. Like, you know, maybe because we had similar upbringings, similar areas and like hip hop was like the soundtrack to our elementary years, you know, like yeah. it was, it was the, the, every, if you weren't into hip hop at the time, you were a fucking nerd. Yeah. Like, let's mm -hmm. admit it. Like if you didn't have fucking doggy style if you didn't have the chronic if you didn't have all those things mm -hmm. they were coming out around that west side connection mac 10 or whatever you yeah know, like everything that was coming out around that time period it was like the dopest shit it was hard as fuck it was like you were gonna rob someone with a fucking ski mask on it just felt rough like it felt mm -hmm. like your surroundings around here like like that fucking the 7-eleven that got robbed all that area if you keep going down river street like if you you know Jefferson Park area, like motherfuckers are getting out there, like stomped out in the in mm -hmm. fucking basketball courts and stabbed in the heart, like Ron Artest's friend. Yeah, like <laughs> it was real, like it was really really real. Yeah. And like you know, like I saw kids getting like the shit kicked out of them by older kids. Getting like I remember like kids bringing fucking knife, like butterfly knives and cigarettes, and like it was really real. Like that's what I saw like growing up, you know. Yeah. So it was just like, yeah, I agree with Jacob. I didn't want to hear anything like fucking some soft ass like. I don't even know what was like contemporary pop music at the time, like uh, New Kids on the Block or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, had, maybe, I don't. Yeah. I don't know because I was like that shut out for that. But that was pop music for me. That was like, of course that you. That's what you want to listen to. And like you know, to segue into what we're really gonna talk about, it's like music for me. Like uh, hip hop started to kind of fall off. It started to turn yeah. into super bling bling. It started to turn into yeah. even Snoop Dogg. You brought up the No Limit Years, where like <laughs> yeah. he was just wasn't Snoop Dogg anymore. Like he was more worried about fucking like like women and money which is like not really what i was surrounded by i was i was a fucking kid and i didn't have either it's like so. it's like it's like i brought up earlier with the the storytelling it was the same thing like there the hip-hop good hip-hop was was either it was either telling a story or it was poetry that was a, that was leading you into directions of things that you guys actually saw you know yeah. what i mean it did actually speak to you you know mm -hmm. maybe maybe not quite in the same way that a college kid listening to kanye that kind of connection but <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean there's still that kind of why people love kanye you know I mean? yeah. yeah um but yeah so it's, it's very similar you, you could have the very direct and blunt story you know uh today was a good day you know mm -hmm. things like that yeah that's our Classic. life yeah or you know you could have something a little bit more poetic a little bit more you know that, that you're not gonna have that direct uh direct through line of thought but uh you know it's still for you guys that was still absolutely real mm -hmm. and you know where we kind of left off well, i wouldn't say left off but one of the, the bands that we touched on a lot was corn for both of us probably yeah, exactly corn kind of bridged the gap from like metal to hip-hop you know they were yeah. very similar you know they grew up in bakersfield as well similar to us and it was almost know, like an occult because i mentioned you know i went to a church camp and all the kids that's all they were talking about you know around 94 like when their first album when you know blind came out and whatnot yeah. And, um, you know, shoots and ladders, like that's all they were talking about. Oh, my friend knows them, you know, you know, the, and Phil D worked at the Taco Bell that was on River Boulevard, yep. you know, where I got shot. Mm -hmm. Like he was working there. So these were people in our community that we knew and they were growing up at the same time as me and Art in the same fucking neighborhoods. 
Art went to the same high school as half the band. I went to the uh, the other high school where the other half of the band went to. So these are people that we knew and we could relate to. And, you know, as Art was saying, you know, that he they bridged that gap. And for me, we were talking about, you know, the Ice Cubes, you know, the West Side Connection or whatever, is when we see them, you know, get on TV and they have Dub C Crip Walking and Got the Life. It's just yeah. like, okay, this band is okay to like. Because I- Art said that... Our school, if you like metal music or anything rock associated, you're a fucking nerd. Get the fuck out of here. You're getting jumped. Like, we're taking your milk money and fucking pulling your pants down. Like, And when when I was in Washington Junior High, I remember I had this friend who was like a he was like a big old skater, but he lived really close to me, so we used to walk home all the time. And I remember yeah. I used to make fun of him because he liked metal music. He listened to crap radio. And I remember <laughs> my knock on him was like, oh, it's more like crap radio. Like, I used to say that, even though it's yeah. like really cringy now to say yeah. that. Oh, it was cringy then, too. Oh. It was cringy. Everyone <laughs> well, said that. Well, when too. you're like... 12 or whatever yeah, that well, is that's true yeah it's still bad i agree but anyways um, that's the best i had at the time but anyways um th- that was my knock on him i was like dude you're fucking stupid i can't believe you like this rock music and i would make fun of it and he would like play like corn music for me and i was just like eh, not for me but then it just clicked for me it was yeah. just like okay hip-hop is like dead there was like a bad time for hip-hop metal music started to like really really like resonate with my soul and it started to go back to that jim morrison vibe to me where it's like well, my dad used to play the the Doors for me and Rolling Stones, and all of a sudden, like rock guitars, kind of made sense because they yeah. were meaner, they were rougher, they were rougher than whatever anyone was doing, whatever Snoop Dogg was doing. Dr. Dre put out like a terrible last album at the yeah. time, the Aftermath mm-hmm. album. It was just you know there was nothing in hip hop for me at the time, so of course I was going to go more into metal. See, for me, there wasn't like that softer transition. You know what I mean? Um, where it was like there's obvious steps, you know, um, that, that flow and logic, you know what I mean? Where, you know, okay, we have A, B, and C. Well, C is the same thing as F. So, oh, okay, you know, and just kind of move. So F, you know, whatever, the deck in the alphabet, so on and so forth. I lost it because I fucked up D and E. But uh, for me, it was, like I said, I loved that very aggressive uh, very passionate music. You know what I mean? I wanted it, I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted to feel the feeling. You know what I mean? I wanted someone to be really banging on that guitar. I wanted to feel, you know, the drums, um, you know, all the fills and the drummer really going for it. And that didn't necessarily mean hard and loud and fast music, but, you know, that's, that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to feel something in my balls. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know if I said that during our initial, like, the Metal Years thing. I brought up how, like, there's heavy music. Like, there's really, like loud aggressive bands but i don't feel it you know yeah. like there's yeah. bands that are soft as hell like a radiohead where i really feel what they're saying like i i i think that's more like brutal than like a fucking as i lay dying song because i don't feel anything when i hear as yeah. i lay dying mm-hmm. but i just think that they're just cheesy like rich boiled middle class kids in america yeah where like as opposed to like some like european poor kid that actually like lived through some shit and like that's always what i look for in music now and so like that's still like yeah that's still yeah exactly yeah. exactly so and what then, was the first band like, would you say like, that got you you know transitioned you into metal like if you had a bench I'll, I'll tell you i will tell you the moment i will tell you the fucking moment good um i was in the back of uh my but uh my buddy's buddy's car he was an associate of his <laughs> associate um, yeah uh, josh he, he always wore this uh my buddy josh big, sounds like a bad drug deal big orange fuzzy cap um like he, filthy in 1997 uh no bigger and fuzzier um oh, okay. yeah like bugs bunny <laughs> pretty much yeah okay. fucking it was, it was comedic hats, it was comedic. like they're watching the movie go you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're um we're in the back of his car and um he he 
had this huge CD collection, like a thousand CDs, something like that. He didn't listen to the vast majority of them, but it was oh, one of those right. things where he just wanted them. You know what I mean? He got them. He stole most of them. You know what I mean? He wasn't okay. like, he, no, he was not, he did not have financial means by any means. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I can respect that. Yeah. Um, and I remember the back of his car, he had an old house speaker that he hooked up to the car and he's going like, oh, let's check this out. And he puts in this album, and I just get hit with this wave of fucking bombardment. Like, like just, it was Cradle of Filth's Cruelty and the Beast. And just Danny Filth's high-pitched screams and just, you know, those, those, I don't know what the fuck he's saying, but son of a bitch, is he angry. I'm pretty sure I heard something uh, anti-Semitic in there. I'm not totally <laughs> sure. But, you know, and, and the guitars are just pummeling. There's, there's a piano back there. I can hear the piano, but the piano sounds evil and it it it's doesn't mm-hmm. fit with like this cacophony i'm hearing but it also fits perfectly at the same time mm-hmm. and i was like oh yeah yeah i want to i want to i want to hear more of this i want to figure what figure out what this is so i went from like blues and like listening to elton john sleeping with the past and things like that straight into fucking cruelty and the beast there was <laughs> there was no dip in my toe in and it was glorious that was that was the moment and from there on it was just kind of a, a hunt I, I want to reference this. I remember um, I used to take a lot of music classes in college, you know, just because you had to get like those filler classes to fulfill, you know, your requirements yeah. or whatever. And if I could like meld it into like a music class without, you know, being a music major, um, I would take those. And so I took a world music class once and the teacher said something that's always stood with me. He goes, uh, and he was an older man. He was like in his 60s, maybe even early 70s. Was it Mr. Martinez with the ponytail? No, that was the oh. history of rock teacher. That guy <laughs> oh, yeah. reminded me of a Mexican Willy Wonka. That guy was cool. <laughs> yeah, he was cool. <laughs> Shout out to him. No, I forgot his name, but like he, you know, he had taught like at Dartmouth and stuff. Like he had taught like at some really, you know, big colleges. And um, we were just having a general discussion about music. And then um, it came up to me. And I was like, well, you know, I really like this band, this band, this band, this band. And, you know, he was just like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And, you know, we had like a lot of dumb cholos in that class. We were like, oh, that's gay. And so he's like, You're one of those rockers, huh, fool? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And um, the teacher was like, you know what? I find find that interesting. He goes, let me me ask you something about yourself. Did you come from a single-parent household? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, hmm, are you an only child? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay. You know, that makes sense. He goes, when you look at, you know, heavier music, he goes, the reason is not because, you know, you're trying to summon Satan or whatever, or, you know, anything cheesy like that. It's because it's, hey, I have a voice, too. I want to, you know, I want to make sure, you know, that I'm heard as well. That's that's why there is like a heavy, heavier, you know, trend towards music. He goes, either that or you have two parents that work, you know, you know, long hours or whatever. And, you know, maybe you didn't have like that love and attention. And so, like, it's, you know, kids wanting that from, you know, the the their parental figures or whatnot, you know, just that, Hey, you can tell like, you know, the kids that had like a good, you know, upbringing, you know, had everything, you know, had, you know, all the toys or whatever. They're not listening to this heavier music. You know, if it is, it's like, you know, some limp, limp biscuit concoction or whatever. And he goes, you can always tell, you know, in those cases, like Eric, I'm pretty sure both of your parents like worked really hard, you know, you know, to provide, you know, housing for you. Stay at home mom. Oh, oh really? I, I had plenty of it. Yeah. I had, oh, that's weird. My that's dad different. plenty of time and yeah. But there was a lot of that Mexican mentality of, you know, the weekends are, you know, we got to do work, you know. That's, we gotta, that's how it was we for have me. To lay, we have to lay down. We had, mm-hmm. You know, they, they built the house, but they just did the house. So come on, we got to go seed the grass. We got to go put the concrete to finish, you know, yeah. walkway. So there was still... There was no coddling. There was there was work. There was there was yeah. it's something that you have to, to I, work for. I'd never looked forward to the weekends when I was a child because it meant 
yard work or working on a car. Yeah, that's and how I still am today, yeah. That's <laughs> every single weekend. I never looked forward to weekends as a child. I think that's part of the reason why now, like, anytime I get a free weekend, it's like, I don't want to do shit. <laughs> Dude, I'm the same way. I can't sleep in t- till now. I, I never sleep in past six. But no, I think I think that that's that's very true, and I think that that's a big mm-hmm. part. You know, it's something that you kind of have to work for. Like you can tell, none of us were coddled as children. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's just like that was his point. I was like, wow, you're right. You know, and then you see, you know, people like who are really into you know certain you know brands of music. You can almost tell like how that childhood you know was for them. You know, when you see like you know your average jock, you know, listening to <laughs> jock rock or whatever, it's just like okay. You had a good life or whatever. Yeah, you might have had like your dad might have drank a little bit too much or whatever. But for the most part, you you were that kid with the Xbox yeah. and the PS4 or whatever. Well, you know, you know, now that we're fast forwarding a little bit, you know, I went to I went to Highland High School, which is like a pretty, you know, not to sound racist, but it was a pretty white high school. And like it was a lot of Mormon kids there, a lot of middle class people there. And I'm coming from like the far end of the east side, you know, from mm-hmm. the like. You, you were know, bust in, huh? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was. You know, I was. I was not from that little. I couldn't walk there. You know, mm-hmm. like other kids there. And so those are the kids that I always associated to the pop punk area that were like Blink One Eight Two and Some Forty One and all those bands that they were, that were popular at, go at the same time. But I wouldn't consider them metal. And I think, you know, um, we, I had told you guys like we should come up with six bands that really influenced us, mm-hmm. like. Six, because yeah. there's a triple six, and six, I thought six, that was like six, dope six, as, six. I thought that was dope as fuck and metal as fuck. But you know, and we talked about corn uh, around this time period, and corn was like a big one. But I feel like I've, we've given them two episodes of love, so I didn't want to give them more love. <laughs> yeah. I still love corn. Like that's a band that, not so much the new stuff because I think it's like it all techno. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't get into the dubstep era of corn, but you know, those first four corn albums are like classics for me, and I love them so yeah. much. But there was a time period, you know, around that early high school time for me where um, all these, like, really shitty, like, uh, Stain was coming out and all these, like, crybaby, like, bands were coming out. And I just, I was starting to fall out of love with metal. And, like, Korn had just put out, like, their Untouchables album, which I didn't think it was that great. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember starting to fall out of, out of love with metal. And Slipknot was that band that was just, like, so much more brutal and, like, hateful than, like, anything Korn had ever done. And I just fell in love with that very first Slipknot album just because it was like corn turned up to 11. And yeah. it was just like, let's go fucking three drummers and let's just. I was going to say, and I'll, funny enough, with the drummer and then the percussionist and all this stuff, there's still that very beat heavy. Like it was still very percussionist and yeah. still very, which very similar to corn that it's very rhythm heavy, which is another link from hip hop. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. There's yeah. still a DJ. There's yeah. still a guy doing yeah, samples exactly. mm-hmm. and like. Corey Taylor, Corey Taylor does still some like kind of rapping style singing ish thing, but it was just like, you know, I, I went from from radio rock or radio metal to like at the time Slipknot wasn't, you know, they hadn't done the subliminal verses and all that stuff yet. Yeah. Like they were still like Ozfest opening stage, mm-hmm. and we're just thinking like this is the fucking shit. Like this is this is what's up. Like this is metal now, and it got me watching the Headbangers Ball. We had just come back with Jamie Josta as the host. Oh, and like, that's right. Yeah. And, I was just like, dude, this is shit. This is the shit. Like all of a sudden, like the internet was a gateway to find more metal yep. bands, like what I consider like real metal bands. Because at the time, I was already like sick and tired of Limp Bizkit. I thought Limp Bizkit had that one like cool metal album with the three dollar bills, y'all. And after that, it was just so poppy. And, like every, everyone was doing the backward red Yankees hats, and like all the jocks were into that yeah. shit. And I was just mm-hmm. not feeling that. I wanted something really brutal that felt like, like for me and like the underground and like. 
that's what Slipknot like opened the gateway to, like that really heavy metal, like brutal that stuff that even even Corn didn't really offer that at yeah, the time. No, mm. and like Limp Biscuit, I've always felt they were the first band that I that I saw that I could actually identify. Like that feels like people that are, especially Fred Durst, <laughs> that are playing a part. Yeah. yeah, they're they're trying to do something that they think that they're supposed to do. Versus mm-hmm. like we've been saying this whole time, you know, a, a real artist. You know, what I mean, like Corn for you guys, and somewhat for me because you know I was also aware and we're you know attached to tangential. But like, especially for you guys, especially going to high schools, you know, and stuff like that. This was the. Hold I went to Jonathan Davis's high school. Yeah, I looked up the pronunciation. Tenden, tangential. 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 Okay. okay. Just um, just to throw that out there. Anyway, <laughs> as you were, I apologize. Um, no, please. Um, the uh, but anyway, this is not only was it like you know this link from hip hop and whatnot, but for you guys, this was the band, this was proof that, you know, we can make it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Someone, someone literally from our high school, someone that graduated here just a yeah. couple years ago, you know, this is very much so one of those cases of, oh, we're seeing, you know, someone else up there, you know, that was in this classroom, do that, get there, be on MTV and do those things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. That was, that's corn. You know what yeah. I mean? That's why we have a street here in Bakersfield named after them. Corn <clears throat> Row. It's yeah. like an alley or something. It's an alley behind <laughs> Rumble Bank. It's still yeah. cool. It was a big still cool. They need to rename trucks and corn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for you, Eric, because um, I, I want this all to meet up at Target for us, because this is where I feel like we all kind of gel together. Yeah. So in this meantime, you, you had Cradle of Filth. Like, yeah. what, what was something else before Target, you know, that got you, got got the, the, the testosterone pumping in them ball sacks? Uh, Fear, Fact- Fear Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because it was, it was a lot like, uh, like you were saying with Slipknot, um, in that it was just heavy. It was just heavy. It was mean. It was obscene you know what i mean um i still remember the song edge crusher edge crusher and i think i've, I've brought this up before edge crusher opens up with um uh you know something about this this next song you know is such and such you know listener discretion is advised and then he immediately breaks down into this fucking heavy heavy fucking chugging riff and it's like yeah that's fucking cool that's fucking dope and so again it just kind of that aggressive sound you know what i mean um and towards the end of like high school and start of college and kind of getting into the target right before the target years, um, I got into uh, Kill Switch Engage, and Kill Switch Engage was one of those bands because they still had um, it was still very rhythm heavy mm-hmm. um, because the they have singer. they have the uh, uh, no with both singers oh. because the, because they 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 had the breakdowns every song had a breakdown you know what I mean it gets kind of formulaic the last few albums you know which. They got the lead, the original singer back in yeah. they've had for the past three albums, but um, they had a lot of breakdowns. So there's still, you know, kind of that heavy, that chugging, that, you know, very rhythmic based. But then, you know, I start really listening to to riffs and really start listening to um, all the little intricate things that they're doing. You know what I mean? And, you know, that up until, you know, like I said, along with that, I'm going back and, you know, like I said, I've listened to a lot of old music. I keep bringing it up, Sleeping With The Past. No one ever thinks about that Elton John album because I love that album so much. And I was introduced to like Rocket Man and so on and so forth. After that, mm-hmm. you know, Sleep With The Past was my Elton John marker. Um, I never had a problem with, you know, what is that little off, you know, that album that came out with 20 years later? What is that album that, you know, was the one that wasn't so good? It wasn't really their style or, you know, and so I started really soaking in all sorts of, you know, like Black Sabbath was huge. And I absorbed all of it with all of the singers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and just going through all of that stuff that was a little bit older, a little bit more rhythm based, mm-hmm. a little bit more blues based, um, as opposed to the very, you know, ultra melodic, um, like death metal that was coming out of Norway and whatnot. I appreciate that stuff now, but at that time, 
it was still very much so that English and American sound that, that is very blues based. It is very rhythm. And you were going uh, back dirty. on that bridge, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm glad you said that because for me, and like I said, you know, during, you know, our original episode, um, for me, I, what art said about hip hop where he started to fall out of love with it, you know, you know, the, you know, everything that you would see on TRL, you know, even corn, like they started to just go down this road where it's just like, I can't identify with this anymore. And, you know, this is about the same time, you know, Napster is coming out um, and you can download whatever songs you want. And you start, you know, revisiting your past like, oh, man, I really want to hear, you know, this song. I really want to hear this song. And, you know, around this same time, around this time, we're about, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Right. This is the prime years where your testosterone is going through the roof, you know, and you you crave like, you know, Mm -hmm. that that energy. And so for me, I remember I was like, you know what? I, I re- you know, I really like, you know, corn. I really like Slipknot or whatever, but I really want something more, you know, something more artistic, something more well-crafted. And so I started, you know, indulging like those guilty pleasures, you know, yeah. cause like Art said, you know, if you listen to rock, like <laughs> you're a fucking nerd. And I remember in the back of my mind, like I would always like, man, I really like that Until It Sleeps song by Metallica because I like, you know, that good, gu- you know, that surf rock guitar yeah. riff. And it was just like, but it's evil and it's like, it's 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 heavy but it's not too heavy or cheesy or whatever like it's saying something and um you know it for me you know it spoke about you know the song is actually about you know uh james's father you know you know going through you know his yeah his passing or whatever and for me you know i was going through some stuff you know with my you know grandma getting you know cancer for the first time it was just like wow it really kind of speaks to me but like and not in a sad sappy way you know she's like i like this but i can never tell anybody because my friends would make fun of me you know and i was just like let me download this song. Let me fill it, you know? And then like, I started going down that rabbit hole of like, yep. you know, Slayer, you know, uh, you know, Megadeth, Pantera or whatever, like you were saying, like going back, like, okay, I like, you know, until it sleeps, but let me go back to that song I heard in my uncle's Camaro back in the early or in the late eighties or whatever, or, you know, okay, let me go back to that guns and roses song, you know, my Michelle or whatever. Like, let me go back. And, you know, I started getting into like the past, you know, like black Sabbath, you know, old Ozzy, um, you know, Van Halen and whatnot, you know, and then about the same time, you know, my cousin, he's in a, you know, he's, he went to Highland, uh, shout out Keith. <laughs> Keith. He, he's starting his own <laughs> podcast. Um, he left a bass over at my house one time and I remember like, Hey, you know what? Like, I love these songs. I love playing the air guitar, like in the mirror, you know, every time Kurt Hammett would hit a like guitar solo, I was like, man, I, I love, I appreciated like that blues element to it. Like it was like a, a solo that you know told a story yep. without saying any words and i was like man i just really want to know how to do that and i remember he left the bass there and i like started to play you know solos man. on his bass or whatever and then eventually you know i got my own guitar and like that's all i would do is just sit there every friday you know i wasn't a nerd but like i wasn't necessarily allowed to go out you know because we lived in the east side my mom didn't want me getting into any trouble which yeah. i can appreciate now but I would spend, you know, my weekends, I would spend my nights, I would just spend, you know, just looking up guitar tabs, you know, and finding a new artist, you know, like, you know, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah, if not, yeah. and just be like, okay, let me see, like, what can be the best, you know, most, you know, structurally sound, you know, solo or, you know, song, and like, I'm going to learn it. And I remember just like, just diving head first, like into all this, like classic rock and classic metal. And that was like my base from that point on. You know, and I just said, fuck everything new. Everything new is, 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 it sucks. Yeah. You know, I can't identify with this. Mind you, I'm 14 years old and I have the mentality of fucking, uh, um, who's the older man from, um, Gran Torino? 
Uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> At 14, 15 years old, I have this like elitist, yeah. like, get off my lawn, like fucking uh, attitude towards anything new. And I had a best friend at the time, like he was really into Slipknot. Then eventually that led into bands like Mushroom Head. And I was like, fuck you, man. Like, you don't know what real music is. You yeah. know, and I start preaching the gospel of like Slayer and Metallica and whatnot. And so yeah. like, I became kind of dick, you know, I'll, I'll freely admit it. And I became a dick. And so that was me for like, you know, a good two or three years. And um, I know Art said, you know, in his um, original story, you know, during the metal years, like it was about this time he started getting into other bands as well. Let's see the sweatshirt you're wearing. Oh yeah, did I talk about Portishead in the original one? Sure <laughs> okay, <did>. yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I got into all those bands. Like, okay, so I'm glad you bring up the internet because the internet opened up a lot of doors for me. You know, I was all metal at the time. I was just like, you know, Slipknot was the the progression of like let's go louder and heavier and things like that. And um, uh, just now that that I had the internet, like I had like. There were bands that I had heard of, but not really like checked out. Bands like Nine Inch Nails and Portishead and things like that. I would say going into like that really artsy vibe at this point, because you know there's, you can only go so heavy, and before you're like you know you need something going back to my Jim Morrison roots. And I think Nine Inch Nails was definitely that band that was like, I need to get into this. And it wasn't Metallica, and it wasn't it wasn't radio friendly. I had only had clo- closer and. And had like a hole, but it was like it just fit so well. Like it was moody, it was dark, it was heavy, and and it and it wasn't it wasn't what everyone else was listening to. At this point, I really started to separate myself. In high school, I was like, I'm not really into what all the other kids are into, you know. Especially Nine Inch Nails being so old from 1988, mm-hmm. and like from 1988 all the way up until like 2000 ish, 2001, two, whatever, like. They were already pretty old by that time, you know. They hadn't even done with the With Teeth album, but it was, you know, they had those like really artsy the the With the um the Fragile album. They were just like so over the top, and it was just like so perfect for me around that time period. Like it opened up gateways. To, like if you can listen to the Fragile, you can listen to Portishead, you can listen to Radiohead, you can listen to all those other like non-metal bands. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying Portishead is metal at all. It's not, but but it has influences. Yeah, it has. I would say Portishead has like those like. Like those blues influences, those jazz influences that that uh, that the Doors also had, and it just felt really at home for me. So like that's that's probably the next like really big moment in my life where I was just like, wow, Nine Inch Nails is really really fucking doing it for me right now. Like I'm going down this like super artsy road right now of like like industrial experimental like all these things, but the metal element's still there. Like it's still violent, it's still dark, it's still like. They had released that snuff film where like the dude's getting like beat up and all this shit, and it just it felt like something like your parents wouldn't approve of, and like mm-hmm. that's also yeah. what like Snoop Dogg felt like early on, and not so much at that point anymore. But Nine Inch Nails just felt like that next progression of like this is from violent shit, and it's smarter than Slipknot. Like it, I still like Slipknot. I think that they're they do some great stuff even now. I think their their new album sounds like it's gonna be dope, but it's it's never been Nine Inch Nails quality. You know, no. it's it's not that. Like I have a lot of love for Nine Inch Nails and. And that's this is around the time period where I started like melding into that shit where I'm like, okay, like I, I can see where I, I, I got like a little bit of like a like you were talking about Metallica and being elitist about it. I got kind of elitist with it. I was like, there's some really dumb bands and I really shut away from like all the new metal stuff that was popular at the time. I was like, well, fuck all this shit. I could see what was popular. I could see all the like everything that was on the radio. I was like, well, fuck this shit. It's not an Ancient Nails quality. I still kind of feel like that. I, I think I was pretty smart for a 14-year-old. Like, looking back at it, I'm glad I didn't get involved in that shit. 
Mm-hmm. But um, but you know maybe not maybe don't be so loud about it. <laughs> I, yeah. I think there's something to be said. Like you said, you, you picked up a bass fairly early on. Um, I started playing guitar when I was nine years old. You know, and I think there's something to be said about like really taking an instrument seriously, and then when you're young and then how you listen to music, like, mm-hmm. you know, you appreciate I appreciate Yeah, exactly. I remember being like 14, 15 and, uh, but again, you also run that risk of becoming very elitist. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm listening to Hendrix at 14, 15 and I'm, all I'm doing is I'm just listening to the solos. I'm just listening to these sounds that he's making happen. And by the way, that's why Hendrix is the greatest guitarist ever. Not because of his technical skill, but because of the sounds he elicited from that instrument at In that 60s, time, yeah. at that time, son of a bitch. You know that dude would have crazy Pro Tools going on today if he if he was still alive. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Well, that's um, the reason why there is Pro Tools yeah. because of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he was putting tape backwards and splicing and all that yeah, shit. Yeah. Anyway, um, but so I started listening to stuff like that and I really appreciate it. Like you know Steve Vai, you know who was you know was about as heavy as I got at before metal. You know, and I'm listening to this and like holy shit, I recognize this insane talent. Not only is it good, I recognize this insane talent. But like I would be listening to the same Hendrix song five, six, seven times in a row, and then the sixth or seventh time, I realized, oh, this drum is doing something really cool in the background, and I found myself uh, from about 14 to like 18-ish, 17, 18, where I was listening to parts of the songs. I was I was basically dissecting everything I listened to instead of like letting it go, and about the time that I got into, like really got into the heavier music was about the time that I was like, you know what? I can still do that. I can still appreciate what's happening individually, but that wave of sound, like I can't deny it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And about the time that I we get into Target and when we all, the three of us get together, that's about the same time that that all start, kind of starts coming together, that I'm trying to recognize Everything. that wave of sound. I want that that emotion. I want to feel, you know, just that 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 rhythm, that crunch, that whatever. But at the same time, I recognize that there's someone back there making intelligent decisions, trying to do something interesting, trying to, you know, get that right lyric or, you know, the riff that's just interesting or, you know what I mean? Um, it's about that time that, that, about the time that we met, about the time Target comes around, that it, all of that kind of comes, starts to come together. It's really funny because like one of the first conversations I ever remember having with Eric was when in, uh, we worked in electronics together. I yeah. think all three, all three of us, of us all did. Three of us electronics did. together. But do you remember they gave us that note, like the, the, the release schedule? Yeah, the yes. release schedule. Oh, I love that thing. And I remember going through it every time and seeing if there's a band that I liked or whatever. But there was, I think he was a rapper or a singer. I don't know. My Snoop kind Dogg's of cousin. Dan Zillinger? Daz Dillinger. Oh, Daz Dillinger? Yeah. Oh, I remember, <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and I remember telling like Eric, like, oh my God, the Dillinger escape plan. And I was like, oh no, wait, it's Dan's Dillinger. And Daz, I was, Daz, Daz Dillinger, Daz. sorry. I don't know who <laughs> That's Dan's a little is. impact on, on my <laughs> life he took. But uh, I remember talking to Eric about that. And I remember like we kind of nerded out about like metal yeah. music after that. And Eric was just telling me about all these like metal bands. And like at that point, I was just like, you know, the Dillinger escape plan was huge. Like I was just getting into that, you know, Jamie Josta shout out to Jamie Josta, man. Like, uh, I know hate breed doesn't get a lot of love, but like he did, you know, for yeah. like a young metalhead yes. like myself at the around the time period, like he really helped me out, like finding cool bands. Mm-hmm. And the Dillinger escape plan was one of those bands. that was just like super fucking brutal. I remember Eric telling me about like, um, kill switch engage at the time who yes. I didn't know about at the time, but like we just went, we just like nerded out like about metal music around that time period. So that was really cool. Like that, you guys are right. Like that time period for Target was like fucking awesome because it was Greg was also involved. We were all like super into metal. And- mm-hmm. It was a weird time frame because I remember uh, the way Target was is like there would be like a Christmas hire and then a Christmas fire after yeah. Christmas season was over. So I had already been there a year before you guys started working there. And I remember it was some people that I went to high school with. They got me the job there at Target. 
And then, you know, during Christmas, you know, they put me in electronics. I remember that, that was the, the bee's knees because yep. uh, Target had the coolest music selection because they didn't edit their music. You know, yeah. Walmart down the street did. And so that's where I did all my, you know, CD shopping. And they had a large, you know, um, a library of music you could you could choose from. It was literally like 10, 12, 13 aisles of music. And it was better than, you know, blockbuster music, which was across the street because, you know, it wasn't, you know, it, it filtered out all the bullshit, you yeah. know. And, yeah, you know, you had like, your popular music. But I remember it just being paradise because my job was literally helping people find, like, music. And me having that elitist attitude at that time, they're like, hey, what would you recommend on this? I'm like, well, what do you like? You know, and then it'd be like, oh, okay, you probably want to get this. And they would leave, you know, electronics with a big old stack of music. You know, yeah. and then I would get, a you know, a good, you know, performance review because I was pushing sales. <laughs> but... I remember at this time, you know, we got two new guys, you know, during the time frame. We got Eric and then we got Art. Art was a little more quiet. And so I remember me and Eric would always talk. And again, I was in my elitist phase where like if it was older, you know, that 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 was the mountaintop. Everything newer like had to climb that mountaintop. And I remember Eric was talking about, you know, oh, man, you got to check out Lemma God, man. You got to check out, you know, Mastodon. You got to check out Trivium. You got to check out, you know, Machine Head. You know, he was telling me about all these newer bands. And I was like. I don't know, man. Like, I'm kind of like not feeling this new music scene. And it, to me, new music was like disturbed and shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And I was like, I really love, you know, guitar solos and stuff. And then, you know, I appreciate that music. He goes, oh, man, you got to check out Trivium. You got to check out Messino, man. They're still playing solos or whatever. And then, you know, Lem God, they sound just like Pantera, man. And yep. then, like, I was just like, all right, I'll give it a try. And I remember going home those nights after those conversations and just like being like, fuck yeah, man. That shit was awesome. <laughs> this shit is awesome. I mean, yeah, it wasn't meeting my, you know, standard at the time but i was like okay i can appreciate this new music yeah. and that was the the wave of uh the new wave of american heavy metal yeah. that that was you know happening right in front of our eyes and i remember when i was talking to art like once art kind of came out of his shell like he introduced me to bands like tool you know and reintroduced me to bands like nine inch nails and portishead and things like that and me, I was living in this one section of, you know, metal where it was just all heavy, all guitar, solo driven and whatnot. And Eric was, you know, putting me up on game about the newer stuff. But then Art was over here, you know, getting me into, you know, I don't want to say the more emotional side of it, but maybe the more artistic side of it. Where it's just like, okay, yeah, we don't need the the lead guitar player to masturbate, you know, during a solo or whatever. Like here, here's a band like Tool where it's like a church experience. Yeah. And I remember, um, and I said this story during the original episode, but it has some pertinence. You know, I had this attitude in high school, like, oh, there's no better band than Metallica. Their, their first five, six albums are classic or whatever. Like no other band can even touch that, not even Iron Maiden. And I remember um, this one girl, she said, well, well, Tool's just as good, if not better. And I was like, ha. Oh. And I remember I just like <laughs> dismissed that as an asshole, like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I've heard their songs on Crab Radio or whatever, that it's okay or whatever. And then just because I had that grudge, I never bothered to download their music or revisit them. And I remember Art, he had a really, you know, divine conversation with me. He goes, man, you really got to check out this album. They're actually playing next week, you know, at Robble Bank. Like, you should go, man. Like, he was really trying to sell it to me. And I was just like, oh, I kind of want to do. Like, he did a really good job of selling me at it, but I was still stuck in my ways. To this day, I regret not going because I remember even to this day, Art used to say how it's like almost it was almost like a religious experience. The first Tool show I ever went to when they were touring on Laterals was one of like the most like yeah. epic, emotional. Like it felt like I had seen God. Mm -hmm. Like it was I've never felt anything since then at any show I'd ever been to, and I've been to tons of shows then from since then. But yeah, that very first one when they're touring Laterals was like epic and beautiful and just like dear God. I but yes, yeah, the, the 
10,000 days, they also came back for that one. You didn't go to that either? I remember no. the I remember the Lateral Lala show because like, blah, 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 because like you, Jacob, I didn't go. And I was like, afterwards, like, fuck, I should. I remember the next day or Monday or whatever the fuck it was, being in biology at uh, BC and Dr. Joe being like, yeah, I saw you guys there. You guys were going crazy. I was sitting there being respectful, you know, being a, a good, you know, a good man listening tool. Wink. You know, I, yes, you, you, you're sinners. You're going crazy. Nothing, right? But yeah, I remember that. And I, I, that's like you're saying, Jacob, that's one of the things I remember about you, Art. Like one of my first impressions about you musically um, was a lot of people that I, that I spoke with uh, about different types of music. You know, talked about you know you got to check out this song. You know, check out this band and here are the here are the songs you got to listen to. You know, this so and so has this fucking ripping solo. You know what I mean? All this stuff. And you were trying to sell me on albums. You were trying to sell me on entire concepts of mm-hmm. music that were going on. You know That's what I mean? That's still what I look for. And in still, music. yeah, that you still do. You still it, definitely do. It's funny, like looking back at that night. One of the artists I had written down that I really wanted to reference was uh, Mike Patton because his band Tomahawk opened yeah. for Tool the first time I ever saw Tool. And I had no idea who Tomahawk was. I had no idea who Mike Patton was. I had heard of Faith No More, but like I didn't really know that much about Faith No More other than that song Epic. But like seeing him perform and like seeing what he does like with his vocals, like just his vocals alone, like if he had no backing band behind him, it would still be amazing. Yeah. And like that guy like changed the game for me. Like it was just like I still like, you know, anytime if you guys ever get the chance to see any of his bands, like at all just go see him like get the nosebleed seats because all you have to do is like listen to his like vocal range it's just it blew my mind like he he almost if it wasn't for tool being so like epic that night it, <laughs> he would have blown tool out of the water that night just him alone just like his performance i think he's like the best metal rock singer whatever you want to call him of like all time and you guys know how much i love deftones like i fucking yes. love that De- i'm about to see deftones for the 20th time and like a month or two so i really love deftones and i've only seen his performances three times in my entire life but he is amazing and like he changed he changed a lot of things for me and he was a he was a dillinger escape plan singer for a little bit he sang yeah. for all these other bands and like you know he opened the door for me he is like to me it's like he might go down as the most underrated like metal singer of all time but damn i just want to give a shout out to that guy and like how yeah, epic no, he, he was he's and he and he's he is just he is so eclectic and he is one of those guys one of those artists that you know he has done so much work for so many different bands and like he's very unique in that all the things that he does um he he differentiates it differentiates it for whatever band he's he's fronting at that time but you can still tell it's him yeah definitely it's still Patton. You know i think I, mean? I showed you uh, like fantosma whenever he like does like nothing but covers of like old movies yeah, yeah. and he's not even like singing words he's just using his voice as the instrument which yeah. is like beautiful Brilliant. yeah <laughs> amazing i still love that like i think he did the godfather theme and i was like yeah. wow this is amazing <laughs> he I did rosemary's it. baby when he does uh-huh. like that it's just like oh that's dear cool. god i love that shit too and we were talking about earlier before we started uh recording talking about you know the remake to aladdin the live action version or whatever where it's just like if it's just a shot for shot remake that's some bullshit yeah but if like you're putting your own twist on it you know and telling your own message or whatever and strengthening it like that's something to listen to like i've heard a million people cover like you know the godfather theme or like you said you know rosemary rosemary's baby theme and it's cool yeah you can put like the metal version of it or whatever and like i mean after a while you're like all right i'm done with this like I've, i've already heard this enough but to put a certain spin on it where it's just like, I'm going to use my vocals only again, that, 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 um, analogies I was making, like, where it's just like, you have artist, an artist, but with entertainment like that blends the two perfectly. Yeah. He was, um, 
he does uh so bjork has this album where she uses no instruments it's all like people's vocal cords what's it called what's the the muscle in her throat a, a marinix mandela or something <laughs> mandela. uh something like that that's what the album's called but um he's like a big part of that because he does a lot of like the beatbox he does a lot of like those crazy screams and yeah. then she just mm-hmm. manipulates it and turns it into a song so he's just like that intense of a singer where he's like working with bjork and the dillinger escape plan and like his own solo stuff, you know, Faith No More. Everybody knows that song, Epic. And like, yeah. Yeah. and it's just like, the fact that his range is all over the place like that, it's just like, that guy. That uh, Speaking of Dillinger's escape plan, uh, when Elizabeth was in New York for college, uh, she was on the street team. And when they came to town, she got backstage and hung out with them on the bus afterwards. Damn. She doesn't tell me, but I'm pretty sure she got laid. <laughs> which I'm not, I'm not mad at. Which anyway. singer was it at the time? Was <laughs> I don't it still remember. Dimitri? I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe. But uh, no, but he's he's Patton is one of those guys that like you can you don't look looking at him it's like oh that's just a singer that's just you know mm-hmm. that's a singer in a rock and roll band you know what mm-hmm. I mean but but what he lets out is just oh gold it is pure gold mm-hmm. so during the target time like I would say like we all kind of just learned from each other I think art again like he was in that phase where it was all about Tool Portishead or whatever and he got at the same time you you got introduced you know to those heavier bands like mastodon like lamb of god and stuff like that you know eric and uh headbangers ball were going together at the time because i was like <laughs> saint yeah of lamb of god we all went to go see lamb of god together that was yep. like a fucking brutal ass experience for for me at least because i almost died like on <laughs> the too. way there on yep. the way back i don't remember but fucking oh, no, i still there, hate God. you guys for that <laughs> yeah yeah we don't have to revisit that, that story but <laughs> yeah <laughs> shout out to don um, um but yeah, I remember it, like that was a, a really cool time because again, yeah, it was not only just Eric, but like we met Greg during that time period, and he introduced me into like a lot of like the heavier, heavier stuff. And to me, again, like you know, like country music or whatever, or you know, new newer music, like I'd always just dismiss it. But like he had like this passion about stuff that you know most of it would go in ear one out the other but like something would always catch like like an amon and marth who was like this viking yes. metal band and for all intents and purposes like they're they're pretty basic but it's that line of okay it's art you know because they're very passionate about their you know viking beliefs you know like yeah. that norwegian you know section of the world but at the same time like they make it very entertaining and you know they're up on stage you know drinking beer out of you know horns you know and it's just like that's that that's that entertainment factor to it but it's not entertainment just to be fake you know we referenced snoop dogg you know we went to no limit all of a sudden you went from being a gangster to being like all bling bling Mm -hmm. you know no this is real this is you can tell this is how they live their day-to-day life these are guys that love it they have passion for it and you can hear it Mm -hmm. through the music and like a bunch of other guys playing the same chord progression or whatever singing the same you know growling the same words it doesn't have the same feeling they've got that feeling they've Mm -hmm. got those fucking balls to it that's some real shit and i mean and it goes back to, you know, like when, you know, I'm first listening to The Chronic, you know, like, yeah, Dr. Dre might not have been a gangster, but he lived through, you know, the Compton fucking and yep. Watts riots. You know, he lived that life. You know, he he was there during the L.A. riots or whatever, and he was documenting it like this is some real shit. You know what I'm saying? And I might not be, you know, a fucking Viking or whatever, but, you know, I'm full. You know, I'm a young 20 something year old man. You know what I'm saying? I still got testosterone pumping through me, you know, after a fucking rough day at Target or whatever and battling, you know, management or whatever for hours or. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or, you know having disagreements or whatever you need like you know that something that speaks to you you know yeah. at that time and that's what you know like bands like that did and you know 
from then, you know, it just became another fun journey. Like it was just like, let me collect a friend yeah. and see what I can learn from him. Kind of like how Eric was, you know, saying like, hey, I need like this, this different sound, this, you know, sound wall of, you know, of stuff, you know, to appreciate. Like, I like this person, you know, we met Greg and then we met people like May Cherie too, who'd be like, hey, like, I like this band too, but you should also check out this band. I remember May Cherie yeah. and I got into like this huge argument of who was like, the at the time, band. the best metal singer of like, and and uh, I don't remember what the lead singer of Between the Barrier and Me. I can't remember what his name is, but she was going with that guy, and I was going with Chino from Deftones, and we were like, "No, Chino's the best metal guy because he can do soft vocals, he sings beautifully, and he can scream. He can do like that, like like fucking new metal to like hints of like of like black metal singing where he goes super high pitch, and it's like he's the best one." Then she's like, "No, Between the Barrier and Me is better because he does like fucking like um." like hardcore style like low growls and stuff like that and i was like screw you so i love the fact that we would get into those arguments and getting paid to do that shit and she yeah. was someone that was like us in the fact that she felt it you know what i mean that yeah. was it was real for her i remember being a, one day in the parking lot after work you know we, we worked kind of the the later shift the night shift. i think it was during the holiday so we might have been after Dude, midnight. we did that so many and times we fucking, just outside we were out there for like an hour just yeah talking just about in metal. the parking lot talking about stuff and i remember um i put on uh i, I put the Ashes of the Wake CD in my car, mm. and Classic I start album. I start playing it, and I turned it up, and I don't remember what song I went to exactly, because um, that whole fucking album is amazing. Um, fuck, I'm gonna go listen to that when I get off of here, out of here. Um, <laughs> and uh, May Cherie just kind of goes, nope, I gotta go, I gotta go. We didn't, I didn't say anything, you didn't say who it was. Just I just popped in the album, went to like track five or six, whatever the fuck. Didn't even start off, and she goes, nope, Lamb of God makes me do bad things, and she left. And it's like the way that some, you know, the 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 basic broads talk about like tequila and stuff like that. Like, no, that's just like yeah, the Lamb of God elicits this reaction from me. I, I've got to go. You know what I mean? Like it was <laughs> it was real for her in the same way that it was for us. You know what yeah. I mean? And like and like Greg, he had that fucking passion. You know, he was he was the happiest go lucky fucking uh, uh, brutal death metal head that I ever knew. You know what I mean? And but dog he had that passion. You know, flesh. yeah, dog eats flesh. That was the band. <laughs> that's right. And violent, violent fucking lyrics. But he was just so bouncy about it. You know what I mean? And that shit becomes infectious, you know? Mm -hmm. And You might not necessarily dig it, but like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, I don't like anime, but if art is passionate about it, yeah, like, yeah. I'm more inclined to give it a chance. Let me see what perspective you're looking at it from. Because yep. if I can look at it from your perspective and walk away with it, then, okay, I feel like I'm a better person after that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have... I. I I always talk about there's 2D people and then there's 3D people. Like, I feel like I'm more 3D at that point. No. You know, there's more texture to me at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Just that that passion, that excitement, that mm -hmm. I saw, I, there there are people that I can think of that I saw them like go from just kind of chilling, whatever, to being a Jack Russell Terrier and just bouncing all over the place when you start talking about certain bands or certain music, <laughs> you know Russell what I mean? Terrier. It's like, yeah, I feel that. You're making me feel that. I haven't heard a single fucking uh, uh, lyric. I haven't heard a single riff. I haven't heard nothing. I fucking feel that. <laughs> you know what was cool about that, too? It was like it was the first time in my life because I remember I referenced high school. Like everybody, like, you know, Art was saying, like, they got really into the pop punk aspect of it. You know, um, other people, like, at my school, they were getting into, like, emo and stuff. And it's just like, God damn, I, I can't hang out with y'all because, like, I, I can't. I don't even see it from your perspective. You're not even, you know, making this sexy. But the cool thing about this time frame and our years working at the East Hills Target was that, okay, I, I can go to a band, 
a, a concert with Eric and he can show me Lamb of God, Mastodon and yeah. whatnot. And I'm having fun. Like I'm loving this. I'm loving this perspective. And at the same time, I think Art and I, like we went to a, you know, a couple Nine Inch Nails concerts or whatever. Like I'm digging like this scene. Like I'm seeing, this is making me a more of a 3D person. Then at the same time, I'm like, hey guys, let's go see fucking Iron Maiden. Let's yep. go see Judas Priest. Let's go see Metallica. Like let's see, like let's, let's welcome each other into our own yep. world. And at the same time, like it, like it's like, yeah, the music's cool, but at the same time, we walk away from it like we have those stories, you know. Like when um, I think we saw it was when we saw Judas Priest, Motorhead, and Heaven and Hell, dude. Like art, let, let's just flip, put like at this time, <laughs> art didn't like really necessarily like like that music, but I remember we saw Eric peripherally. Yep. Um, there we were there, but we weren't there together. Like I think uh, Eric had already been doing his own thing at this time. This had been yeah. This had been like twenty or. 2008 2009 something mm-hmm. like that I, w- I was already moved out to Camarillo for college yeah this mm-hmm. was sometime later yeah we had kind of lost contact with you but I remember we were all still there under the same yeah. you know <laughs> under the same roof I remember just like like my the people that I was where the friends we were there with they weren't necessarily fans of that music but it was cool because like okay this is my setting yeah. you know like this is my setting I'm welcoming you into my world and you I just remember everybody just having like the time of our lives because it was so fun you know and it was an all day festival event yep. too I remember that show taking uh, the girl I was dating at the time and she was not looking forward to it and you know she wasn't really feeling it you know what I mean and then I said just come you know you just you, you'll feel it you'll feel differently mm-hmm. about it you'll feel you know and yeah when we left she was like that was a lot of fun that mm-hmm. was a lot of I, I don't know that I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy any of their albums but next time there you're in town, you want to go see them. I am fucking down. I am mm-hmm. fucking, um, and that happened a few times. I remember because she was a psychology major. Um, uh, she was working on her master's in psychology. And, uh, after I took her to see children bottom and Austrian death machine, and she saw the way the crowd, the pit was going and, and like people helping each other up. And, um, I, I think she ended up writing some major paper she had on, uh, the, how congruent, like, uh, uh, a metal music and the fans and like a re- organized religion are, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And how they all kind of congregate to these events where they're, they're not necessarily worshiping the people on stage, you know, like you're not necessarily worshiping the priest, but you're recognizing that those are the people with the message. It's, it's a, it's its own culture, yeah. you know? And I think that's what I'm getting at. It's just like people, you know, we're all under the same roof. We're all there for the same experience. We're all there, you yeah. know, to get, you know, the anger out we're all there to do it together as one you know and it's a cultural thing you know and you go to you know you know heavy metal concerts here in california and you see you know you see everybody you'll see you know white kids you'll see mexican kids you'll see black kids or whatever and there's no there's no politics there's no no religion necessarily you know it's just we're all there under one sun becoming you know to do basically the same thing and i think that's like where i really started to get it it wasn't about you know Oh, who can play the fastest or more com- most complex solo? You know, like your Ingvi Malmsteen or whatever. It's about the sense of community and friendship, you know, mm-hmm. that you get from these experiences. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. I think, you know, metal has kind of put me into these like relationships with people that I probably be long life long life friends with, you know, and mm-hmm. and it and it all and it has a lot to do with metal and like like the fact that we all share this like really passionate love for this one thing. You know, we get into other things and we get into movies and things like that that we all agree on. But metal is definitely because it's it's kind of abstract. Like it's it's like why would you put your body through something like that where it's like you're in the pit and you're getting hurt and you're sweaty and it's hot and everything about it should suck. But at the same time it's so fun. Like when a metal show's over, you feel so really everyone we got done with um 
uh, Lamb of God, I was just like at a point of like euphoria where I was like, oh yeah. my God, like I'm, I'm done. Like, you know, when you like, I would imagine it's like finishing a marathon where you're just like, you just ran like 20 miles and like, now you're just like, oh, time to like lay down, eat a burrito. Cause yeah. we survived this together. Yeah, like, We did it together. Everyone in that pit, you know, 10 minutes ago, you guys were jerks to each other. You guys were pushing each other, but now you have your arms around each other and you're like, cool. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, like, that's the beautiful thing about metal is like, you all come together for this one thing that we all feel passionate and we all love this one thing and we're going to be dicks to each other for a while, but that's cool. Like that's the tribal element that we don't have in our day-to-day lives because we all have like aggression, like that coworker that pisses us off, that boss that pisses us off, that car that cuts us off on the freeway and all that shit. If you're not getting that out of you, like you're probably going to become a serial killer. You're going to be a jerk in your day-to-day life where you're Mm -hmm. like a jerk to your girlfriend, your coworkers or whatever. But I feel like going to metal shows and listening to metal and like that thing where you're like driving down the freeway, screaming your heart out to a band that you really, really love, it really helps to get all that out. I think it's totally healthy and like it's a form of exercise. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. you know, you go to the gym and you have your headphones on, you're listening to like Rammstein or whatever, and you're just like, fuck yeah! Like I don't even have to know what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I get it. Like <laughs> yep. I'm pissed. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And it's just like I love that element of metal that that just gives you that. You know, like. You know, I think Marilyn Manson once said the thing that he liked about metal is that metal doesn't scream at you. It screams with you. And I love that oh, about that's metal. Oh, beautiful. I've never heard yeah, that. That, that is, is, like, that is yeah. fucking perfect. Yeah. yeah metal, will never, on the head. metal will never call you ugly. Metal will never turn you down to your prom. It'll just be screaming with you. And it's just mm-hmm. like beautiful because I agree with that 100%. Like I think that, you know, maybe that's why we're having so many like mass shootings right now because kids are just not into metal like (laughs) they're listening to like little sand or some shit like that it's just a good point you bring up because it's like i've god i i've i couldn't even count how many concerts i've been to you know metal concerts alone um it takes up like a whole fucking move movers box because i save all my ticket stubs and um you you think of like you know shows like you know like not to you know talk shit about other genres or whatever but you know you see like you know mass shootings like at an ariana grande concert you see shit like you know like i believe like bone thugs and harmony came here to bakersfield at one point um you you see like all these other genres where you're not getting that you know same satisfaction that art was just talking about with the music but you there's still an element of violence that still surrounds even the most innocent music like an ariana grande um but i've been to so many metal shows you know and I've never experienced, you know, like even like, you know, bros fighting afterwards, like a true metal show. Like, yeah, yeah if it's like a bro metal show, yeah, that's just going to happen. But like a true, like true in the spirit of metal, like we've been when we saw Heaven and Hell um, and, you know, uh, um, uh, Motorhead and Judas Priest or whatever, there was bonfires in the back. But like yep. it was controlled, you know, because it was just like, hey, we're exercising this. But hey, everybody's going to come together. We're going to put it out like it wasn't anything malicious malicious yeah it was together you know kind of thing and that to me like it's like the purest form of art at that point you know and it's a you know it brings the community together i think and you're you're probably right you know metal isn't a very prominent face in the community in our society anymore you know it's in you know a small segment of the internet but at the same time you got to think about it like when it was prominent you know when you had you know these bands that were you know at the forefront of your trls or whatnot like you had you know those people with high testosterone having an avenue to exercise that at i think that there's something to be said about the fact that there a lot of other genres a lot of other you know um and even you know 
I'll call them lesser bands within metal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to see them and you're being entertained. You know what I mean? And that's and that's fantastic and that's necessary and that's by no stretch of the imagination is that to say that that's any lesser than or more than it is what it is. It's entertainment. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think I've gone to a single uh, metal show, whether I am right at the barrier, banging on the barrier, whether I'm in the middle of the pit, whether... You know, it's some weird. You know, I saw uh, Slayer at uh, in a stadium at um, Universal uh, Studios at the theater that's there, and it's an amphitheater, and I was yeah. in a seat way up in the back. You know what I mean? Um, that was the first time I'd seen them. Um, those shows aren't just entertainment, but they're cathartic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're 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 getting something out of it, and you're letting something out of yourself. You know what I mean? And I think that when you do that, that is like you said, that it, that is that release. That that is that moment of. Uh, you know, you, you go into the pit and you get to be aggressive. You know what I mean? And then you end up getting punched in the jaw. And it's like, oh, you know what? This this happens once every five or six pits. And you know what? That hurt. Maybe getting cut off the other day wasn't quite so bad. You know what I mean? Fucking, like, it, <laughs> helps, it, perspective. It, it helps create perspective. It helps create like, you know what? That dude just punched me. And, you know, a couple of seconds later, you know, I get knocked over by someone else. And that dude is the first one to grab me and pick me up. You know what I mean? We're all here. It's it's one of those things that, that helps you also learn what to take personally and what to let go of and what mm-hmm. you can let go of, you know? You're right. I think, the, I think there's like some one-off dude that's like had way too much muscle milk that's in there who like doesn't really care yeah. about the music. He's just there because it's the scene to like get yep. violent in. And he'll fuck shit up every once in a while. We've all seen like that one. But the crowd, guy. but the crowd yeah. takes care of it. Yeah, yeah, but for the most part, yeah, the crowd is there, and we're all passionate about this one thing. And it's just like, don't worry about that one-off jerk dude that's trying to flex in the pit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I agree. Like, man, metal is just like it's a definitely, definitely a uniting force, man. And I, I love everything about it. I was gonna say um, to piggyback off what Eric was saying. One of the stories that I love to tell is like the first time I saw Metallica. I, I, Every time Metallica tours, you know, I, everybody we go, you know, and I remember th- this was the first time I saw him. And when Metallica, you know, they put on a show, you know, it's in a football stadium, yeah. you know, it's not at, you know, your rinky dink, you know, you know, theater, you know, that holds 600 people. It's a football stadium. Last time Art and I saw them, you know, it was at the fucking Rose Bowl and the whole all the seats were sold out and yeah. the whole football field was packed. And um, the first time I saw him was at, you know the the memorial stadium you know yeah. where the the usc plays and that was a hundred thousand plus people and i remember i showed up as early as i could i made my way right up to the gate and i remember just being you know as soon as you know the you know the theme you know the uh, the ecstasy of gold playing everybody just rushing me from behind you know yeah. and i'm five foot eight probably 180 pounds at this time <laughs> and you know everybody there was like 300 pounds six foot eight yeah. you know from my peripheral view or whatever and you just feel nine ninety thousand however many people were on that football field just rush from behind you and it's just the the barrier the metal barrier and then just all this fucking meat just yep. pushing me against it and all of a sudden when james finally appears on stage and uh, plays the first chord you know to for whom the bell tolls i believe was the first song that was playing i just remember everything because i was getting crushed yep. yep getting crushed yeah. to death like i couldn't breathe or whatever and you know we've all had that experience you know like oh, oh i'm I- drowning or whatever and you know you start to panic or whatever but I literally just felt everything start to close in because I could not breathe. Just everything close in. And then just James Hetfield's face just being the final moment. Just like, well, I guess I'm dying right now. But that's okay. <laughs> I got to see Metallica, my favorite band. And just everything is okay. If I die right here, what a way to go out. You know you what's know what funny? I, I've told myself that during shows where I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. 
just grind it out. You're yep. probably not going to die during this. Just grind it out. Because there are those moments where you're like, dude, can my ribcage like, blow up right now from like all the <laughs> all the pushing behind me? I've thought about that, man. I'm like, dude, I'm going to faint. Ah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've come back from shows with so many, like, bruised sternums from mm-hmm. the fucking, from the gate being right there at the barrier, and so many times where, you know, I'll, I'll probably in, be in a pit that I, I probably don't belong in, um, because it's, it's a little heavier than, you know, Lemma God, I almost died at Lemma God, you know, I, 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 the one we went to? Yeah, the one we went to. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and, uh, I remember, you know, at one point, I fell over, and then someone fell on my leg, and then I felt, under his weight, I felt my leg kind of bend to the right. You know how the bend go, the leg goes back and forth. I felt it start to flex the inward, other way. the other way, left, and I pulled it out just as someone else landed Aww. on top of that guy. And I remember thinking like, huh, that that would have you know my my leg would have gone different Joe ways if I done that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so bad. And but I was like, you know what? That's okay. I'm, and but there was just at that moment, they just thought like, oh Worth shit, it. fuck, that almost happened. All right, let's go. And just keep going, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's yeah, it's that you're you're there for a reason. You're there for a purpose, and it, it's it's it is entertainment, but there's so much more to it. There's so and it's much like more to it. it's like I relate it to um, you know soldiers when they go to war. You know, you see veterans. You know, they they become a brotherhood or whatever. Like I can't even count how many people I've met through metal shows throughout yep. my time. You know, I have people that I haven't seen since 2003, but I just met them at that one you know Slayer concert or whatever. And, you know, or I'll see them again, you know, only at those times. Like, hey, you're going to see uh, Metallica? Yeah, I'll see you there. I'll see you there in San Jose. Yeah, yeah, You know, and they're from, like, Las Vegas or whatever. Dude, that's how it is. I mean, I mean, this is going to be my 20th Death Zone show. And we, like, when that when that show was announced, like, there was, like, the message board. And we were like, all right, who from Southern California is going to do that? Are we going to meet up? Like, just because, like, I know a bunch of them. When we went to San Diego, I was talking to our friend Ben. And I was like, dude, we could potentially just stay the night with a bunch of the, the San Diego people that I know from, like, Death Zone shows. Because... It's a pretty tight knit group, like, mm-hmm. I, and that's the other thing. They just you just create these bonds with these people, and we all just love this one thing. We might hate everything else about each other. We don't know each other's politics. We don't know each other's anything else. But we have this one bond. And we like love that one thing about each other, where mm-hmm. we're like gonna nerd out about this. I remember a few years back, I took uh, I took some time off and I went to San Diego um, by myself for five days, and it was all based around um, Insomnium and Omnium Gatherum show, and. Um, I, so I, I, I get my Airbnb and, you know, I go check out the breweries and it was fantastic. That part of it was wonderful. But I get my Uber and they take me to this little tiny venue and I made sure to get there like an hour and a half early, you know, because it's a little shitty venue. So I knew it was going to be packed, right? Um, and so there, and so uh, there's a little barbecue joint next door. And so I'm like, all right, so I'm going to go in, I'm going to get a barbecue joint and I'm going to have a couple beers and get some ribs, you know what I mean? And, and really, you know... Uh, and there's a couple of guys kind of down next table and they see my shirt. Um, it, and it was just, it was, I don't remember. It was, it was some metal shirt. And they go, oh, you're going to be at the show. Yeah. us too. You know, and one of them was from, they were both from Alaska. And one of them was a big metal head. The other one was going to his first ever metal show. You know, we start talking, we buy each other a round of beers, you know what I mean? And we're hanging out. And those guys became my friends for the rest of the night. You know, a half hour later, some fourth dude comes walking in and he goes, Hey, and none of us look alike. You know what I mean? None of us look like we would all hang out together, you know, just at a glance. You know what I mean? This fourth guy comes in and he looks kind of preppy and looks kind of this. And he goes like, hey, you guys are going to that show? Yeah. Hey, my uh, there was some shit like his ATM card. It got hacked or some shit like that. And he was like, I can't buy the tickets. You know, I've got cash, though. If someone buys me the tickets, I'll buy you, you know, the 20 bucks or whatever it was worth the beer. Once we get inside, I was like, yeah, man, I'll, yeah, I'll fucking spot you. Don't even trip. So I bought him his ticket. And we sat down and he joined the conversation and we sat there for like a, a solid 45 minutes, the four of us. 
having beers and talking metal and shit like that. And we get inside and he bought me my $20 worth of booze and we ended up buying each other rounds of drinks and stuff like that. And at the end of the show, we, there was a little bar in the venue and we ended up hanging out at the bar and we didn't intend to, but we stayed so late at the bar. They never bothered to kick us out that the bands came out. It was the four of us and Insomnium and Omnium Gatherum. I bought drinks for the guys in the band. I got pictures. I had taken the set list. I got them all, everyone to sign the set list for me. And after that was done, I went and I hung out with those three other guys. And I made those, and I haven't seen them since. I don't remember their names from the life of me. But that was an amazing night. And those were brothers for that night. You know what I mean? We were in there together. And Art tagged me. I remember when we first did this episode, you tagged me like in a little Facebook uh, commercial where it's just like two guys like, at, you know, like a grocery store or whatnot. And yeah. one of them's wearing like a metal shirt. Another one's wearing another metal shirt. And they both like, you know, two completely different people. And all of a sudden they see each other and they just give you, you just know. You, the you nod. Get, yeah, the nod like, yeah, yep. you're one of me, man. And it's the same thing too with like, you know, wrestling, you know, like my girlfriend yeah. always hates on me. Every time we go somewhere, I always have to like Disneyland or some random ass place like that. I'll put on like a Young Buck shirt or yep. like a fucking like AJ style shirt or whatever. And you get the, you know, the, the, the too sweet, sweet, which is like the metal sign basically, yeah. which is where they basically are adapting it from. You know, you just throw you like someone you see, like, for example, when we went out to eat um, last night, you know, I had some random, you know, metal shirt on or whatever. And this older man comes up to me and he's just like, Hey man, I remember seeing them in 88, dude, that's fucking dope, dude. Yep. You know, people like you, um, he thought I was like 22 or something, but <laughs> he's like, it's cool to see younger people like you, you know, still, you know, supporting, you know, bands like that. I don't even remember what shirt I was yeah. wearing. You know, it was some random gym shirt I was wearing. And he's just like, you know what? I got this. And he paid for my food. And I was just like, what the fuck? You know, and it was just some random guy, you know, there with like Grubhub or something yeah. like that. And he paid for Like he's fucking hustling or whatever. He's or struggling, trying to make him a dime or whatever. And he pays for me and my girlfriend's food. And I'm like, that's fucking dope. Yep. You know what I'm saying? That's what, you know, this community is all about. You know, it's not centered about or centered around a fear of a certain, you know, you know, deity or whatever. Like, oh, you got to make sure you do this or you're going to burn in hell. No, it's just people genuinely being good to each yeah. other because of, you know, the love of what's being, you know, the art that is being the center of, you know, mm -hmm. your lives, you know. And, you know, I, I dare you outside of, you know, the wrestling example I just gave. I dare you to find any other kind of community that's not yeah. fear based, mind yeah. you, that has that sort of community. Yeah, I, I think that's I think it's a, a very very good point, you know. And you're right, there aren't there aren't too many, you know. The wrestling definitely, you know. I, I forgot to tell you about this. A couple of weeks ago, I was out wearing a, my uh, Marty Skrull, uh the villain shirt, villain club shirt, and I had some dude like I saw this dude pass me, and he like I saw him do a double take, and then I heard him grumble something, and then I heard. Like really quick, like footsteps, and he comes up behind me. Hey, dude, and he, he's a bigger. He was a bigger dude. So he's out of kind of everything. Goes, hey, dude, hey, I just want to tell you real quick, man. I was gonna, I, I, I thought about not saying it, but I was gonna be pissed at myself if I didn't. I just gotta say, dude, too sweet. <laughs> Gave me that like too sweet, dog. <laughs> fucking awesome. That's fucking. And, yeah. and then he, we went our separate ways, you know. Yeah. But it's it's that same thing. It's it's a community. It's an understanding, and it is something that we can all like get behind. We can and and we, it's something we can visualize. Like I'm, you know. You're wearing a Portishead sweater. You're wearing a Metallica T-shirt. I'm wearing my Machine Head T-shirt. You know, and it's like you can that's something you can visualize. And it's it's I'm not going to say it's the same thing as you know uh, wearing red or blue or whatever. You know what I mean? But uh, it, it, there are identifiers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like that other people aren't necessarily going to notice, but someone that's in the know. Oh yeah, man, fucking I fucking get. I fucking saw them in '88. Let me buy you some food. You know what? One place I really want to shout out. And I'm glad Eric finally was able to get on board <laughs> the last time. Is uh, Gorilla Mall like that? Is like a you yeah. know if you're a fucking metalhead or whatever, and they incorporate the wrestling too, which is odd. 
but cool. Um, but it is like almost like a mecca. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we have these traditions, you know, you know, getting in and out before going to a show or getting it afterwards or whatever. But if there's anywhere near Pasadena, you know, with how Alhambra is where a grill mall is at, is like we all try to make, you know, a pilgrimage to there because yeah. we know, you know, the last time we went to see Metallica all together, um, you know, it was in Pasadena. Alhambra is just like two blocks away or whatever, right? Everybody that was going to that Metallica show, they gathered around, you know, to, you know, the Grilla Mall, Grilla Mall, which is basically a heavy metal fucking, you know, hamburger joint or whatever. And they have really good food as well. You know, not just to say. No, they, they, that is, it is um, the the two chefs that started it when it was a, t- when it was a truck. Uh, they are trained chefs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These aren't guys flipping burgers. They're doing like good shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are guys flipping burgers, but. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> in the very, in the most literal sense. Yeah, but yeah. I know what Not you just, not just. Yeah. But there's a certain. Um, feel to that place you know it's not just like all right we're gonna go to this hole in the wall grease spoon or whatever like no there's a certain feel there like it's it it encapsulates like that community you know you see celebrities like they make that pilgrimage to you know this place because it it captures the spirit you know of like a a metalhead another place like that is like the rainbow rainbow ball bar and grill for all intents and purposes it looks like you know like a an old italian restaurant or whatever but there's so much you know heavy metal memorabilia there you know you see so many like you know people off the sunset strip go there and you know they're you know these people that are you know metalheads or yep. whatever and they'll pay like the 20 bucks for the plate of pasta or whatever but because it captures that metal spirit that's where everybody knows to go that's why that, and that was lemmy's watering hole when he mm-hmm. was alive wasn't it like for yep. for years the whole bar is named yeah. after him now and they yeah. have like a whole section it's like the lemmy section yeah. and they have like his actual seat his yeah. bar stool right there just still intact. Yeah. I love that, man. Like, there's a place in Sacramento called Holy Diver. And, like, Holy Diver is, like, the metal bar in mm-hmm. Sacramento. It's, like, if you're ever in Sacramento, go check that shit out. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, full of the coolest, like, metal memorabilia that you'll ever see. Somewhere I really want to go is Kuma's Corner in Chicago. It's another metal-themed uh, burger joint. And, again, it is it is classically trained chefs. Not classically, but, like, actually trained chefs you know and they've got great beers they've got uh bourbon on tap you know what i mean and bourbon got, on tap yeah. oh and, my then, God. and then they've got things like uh an open face burger called the slayer you know they've got a burger named after winds of plague they got you know which i don't know if you want to name a burger after winds of plague but they did it you know what i mean so but you know it's it's that same kind of i, I don't know if it's the same vibe but it's the same basic mentality at least mm-hmm. of like grill them all you know which yeah. i really really think is, is fantastic you know mm-hmm so where are you guys at right now with metal music? Like, what what bands are you listening to now? What gets what gets your rocks off right now? Right now, my big one is Machine Head, and has been for for a few years now. Um, they've been around since the early '90s. You know, uh, uh, Rob Flynn, Violence, and who was in Violence before that? Um, he was a late coming contemporary of like Slayer and Metallica, and and that you know they were just getting big as he started, but they were still in the same scene. You know, still in mm-hmm. the Bay Area. Um, kind of like Pantera where it's like yeah. they're that bridge band to yeah. like you know from Metallica to Korn kind yeah. of thing yeah um, Rob Flynn is just the lead singer just a great dude um, you know I uh, every now and then he'll go off on like kind of political rants or you know whatever and when he goes off on them for the most part, he's not. He never says, you know, you need to vote Republican, you need to vote Democrat. You need to. He's not saying like he's just. He just calls for common sense. He wants people to be like, you know what? Let's just all love each other. You know, let's just, you know, everyone. You know, uh, he had this big falling out with Phil Anselmo after he gave that Nazi salute. And yeah, whatever, I would you know too. I, mean? I was gonna yeah. bring that up. I was yeah. like, yeah, was like, I think so, we can all get on. So the he was same like, don't be that. a dick. Don't you know? Don't yeah. be you know. So he wants equality. He wants everyone in. You know. Um, 
And uh, one of my favorite things, the thing that really got me, uh, I knew that stuff, but what really got me going with them and him in particular um, is the fact that uh, a few years back when they were opening for Metallica, um, they played their set and then some fan had this video where he was, he wasn't at the barrier, but he was in that, that front area. And he, he takes a, a, a selfie of himself. It's a video and he's, he's kind of mouthing, oh my God, into it. And he turns it to the left and Rob Flynn is right next to him in the crowd and Rob Flynn looks over and sees that he's being recorded and he throws his arm around that dude and just starts screaming along with Metallica into that dude. Like the two of them are just singing together because Rob Flynn's a fucking fan. After he got done with his set, he got into the fucking crowd to watch Metallica. Just like a re- he doesn't want to watch it backstage. He wants it from the perspective of a fan. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I can really get behind. You know what I mean? Along with the fact that they're just fucking heavy, you know, fast fucking thrash. And uh, great songs. Uh, last album's a little bit weak in my opinion, but I still dig it. You know, I still love it. And, uh, yeah, it, that's, that's, and they got staying power. You know what I mean? That's, that's the big one for me right now. What about you, Art? Um, I mean, for me, it's like a lot of the same stuff that I've, I've been into for years, all the Deftones and Tools and, um, Dillinger, but like for the new bands that I'm really, really into just to give them all a quick shout out because I love Code Orange and Code Orange. If you ever yeah. go to a Code Orange show, as soon as the show's over, they get in the pit and they're like hanging out with you. Like there is no barrier. You can jump on stage. Everything's there. So I like the fact that like metal is you know taking the barrier down. It's the violence is still there. Like it's it's actually yeah. like increased. <laughs> but you know like bands like Show Me the Body and Bane and Gouge Away and Coat Hangers and things like that that I just think are like young and upcoming bands that like give me a lot of hope for the future because they're just like they're something that if I were fourteen years old and I heard that shit I'd be like God damn that's brutal that's aggressive yeah it's never gonna make it on crab radio but that's a good thing like I view that as a good thing oh yeah so, absolutely yeah um you know it gets me excited it get it, it it keeps me hopeful that the future is bright for metal music and so um yeah I mean those bands and of course Deftones is like the thing I always I'm probably gonna listen to that on my way home right now yeah as that's my favorite band I'm ever. listening to Lamb of God you know let's say you go Jacob Jacob what is uh what are you what are you listening to right now that's really getting your rocks off? You know what? And I mean, I, I know you guys, you know, you know, those are really good bands or whatever, but I feel like this is the band of the future. This is what's really gonna, you know, Uh-oh. make everything you know, okay Lay in the world. Me. You know, everything that we just talked about, you know, if they were to, you know, run for president, you know, in November of next year, you know, I mean, I really feel like, you know, they can cure hunger. Uh, solve uh, you know world peace you know uh, make yep. you know Palestine and Israel stop beefing you know what I'm saying maybe find Tupac and Biggie's murderer um, who knows fucking make Joe Rogan funny again um, <laughs> I, I, I think they could do it all you know and this band um, they're the future they're the future they're the, they're the present and the future right now and I just want to shout out you know five finger death <laughs> Oh my god! You know what's funny about that? He couldn't that? even say that with a straight face. He couldn't even say that shit with a straight face. Oh my I, god! When you, so like Jacob had brought oh up like that god. I was gonna talk about the future of metal, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, and I had to go online, look up what popular was like top Billboard metal songs, and it was like Five Finger Death Punch, and I was like, "I don't know one goddamn Five Finger You're Death horrible. Punch." That's here. probably a good oh, thing. Jesus on your end. Oh, horrible band. No, but uh, <laughs> number two was Disturbed. So, oh fuck, really? Still, goddamn. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, anyways, no, I totally a joke because I, I feel like we got two jack off happy right there. But uh, no, with like Art said, I really think Code Orange is the future. Um, that's that's where metal is, you know, bridging off from where it has been, yeah. you know, the last few years to where it's going to go. Uh, but definitely, you know, Code Orange. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then for me personally, I mean, I still am always going to have that nostalgia. You know, by the way, Iron Maiden's cool, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love. I, I'm always gonna have that. I'm always gonna check for Metallica and all that. But 
um you know recently just the most recent shout out i can give you know like art said you know slipknot has a really good album that's going to come out sounds like it has a good potential um a band that i just listened to their album recently i was going to text you guys about it but i was like no let me just save it for the podcast they just dropped their album i believe it's only on apple music right now but you know you can find it on YouTube or whatever, but Romstein's Romstein's newest album is it's 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 back to form yeah. for them. So shout out to them. But um, I know we said we were gonna do the list thing. Um, how about we do that right now? Because I really got to piss. Oh, okay. <laughs> I kind of just spouted them out as we went. Okay. So Art, give your top six. Eric, give your top six. Art, and then I'll give my top six. How about that? Sure. Why not? Jacob's always got to go last. We think he's important and shit. Well, fuck it. I'll go first then, okay? <laughs> I'm, teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Right, Dude, no, I'm teasing. While it gives you guys to look it up. So for me, number six, I would say it's a combination of Ozzy and Black Sabbath. Don't get me wrong. I love Dio. Um, I love Heaven and Hell, uh, that album, and Mob Rules. But, you know, for me, Black Sabbath is Ozzy, and Ozzy is Black Sabbath. So I put that together as number one. Um, to me, when I listen to even, you know, Zach Wilde or Randy Rhodes, um, you know, Whale on the Guitar, it's still I still hear Black Sabbath. So number six, Ozzy, Black Sabbath. Number five, and thank you, Eric, for showing me this band, and Kirk Hammett as well on Headbangers Ball, uh, Mastodon. Yep. You know, to me, they've been the most consistent newer band, even though they've been around for, shit, almost 15, 20 years now. Oof, but I still, years. I still consider them a newer band. Um, they're the newest band on this list. Uh, number four, Pantera. Just like that whole thing with art and energy um, and, you know, entertainment, I want to say. Um, they encapsulate all of that for me. Uh, number three, Iron Maiden, just because, you know, their music is just amazing. It's like it's like watching a movie when you yeah. listen to their albums, you know, even the newer ones. Like they might not be up to par, but at the same time, you're still you still feel like you're watching a movie. And I dig that. It's still entertaining. It's still awesome. And number two, you know, I don't necessarily feel a lot of their stuff past the year 2000. But like Art said, you know, I have to give them credit for getting me fully invested into this genre. And it's corn, you know, because they're the local heroes. You know, I can identify with them as much as possible. Um, So they're number two. And then obviously the shirt that I'm wearing. If you think of Metallica and you're friends with me. Yeah. You, you think of you, when you think of Metallica, you think of Jacob Pixton. Yep, so, that's right. That's a fact. Yeah, that is a goddamn fact. <laughs> so I guess I'll go next. You know, one thing that I probably don't agree with is I've never been into Pantera. Like, I can't get into Pantera. Really? They're just a weird band for me. Like, what did you say? <laughs> I just Walk. can't. I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it, man. There's bands that, whether you like or hate Metallica, like, you mm. got to respect Metallica. Mm. I don't feel that way about Pantera. But, anyways. Uh, so my top six is Slipknot because Slipknot got me into like super brutal things as opposed to like Corn, which is very radio friendly. But I give Corn a lot of love, so they'll be my six point five or whatever. So Slipknot just gave me into that. Dillinger Escape Plan. Dillinger Escape Plan got me into like what I consider like real hardcore, like where it's like super brutal and violent, and it feels like they're playing in a dark basement. And you know, bands like Code Orange. You brought up Code Orange. Like they feel like they're that second generation of that. You know, they handed the torch off to from Dillinger to Code Orange to, like, whatever's going to follow those guys. Um, Nine Inch Nails, you know, they're kind of my super artsy band that I, I've always loved and and respect, and I think that everything artsy starts with Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Tool, same thing. They're pretty proggy, and, but they got me at the prog things like Mastodon and Jove and, like, um, all these other, like, super proggy bands. Isis, who's not around anymore, but, like, just I, I love prog metal and, like, prog rock in general and, like, they're they're huge for me like i'm so happy you know speaking of bands that are coming out the new album this year this is the year man 
waited like fucking 16 years for this shit, but it's finally happening. New Tool album coming out. <laughs> Hell yeah. And and uh, this is kind of a cheater's way of doing this, but I put Mike Patton on here because every single Mike Patton project that's yeah, ever yeah. existed is amazing. Everything from Peeping Tom to Phantosma to Tomahawk, Faith No More, Dead Crosses, uh, just amazing. I think he's the best, like lyricist the best vocals best everything you know i wish he had a band that he could stick with for more than like five years at a time but you know like (laughs) hey to me it's i mean there's artists like that but it's just like it doesn't matter what band they transition to it's like i said with ozzy it's just like it's always gonna be that you know what i'm saying so and yeah i think he's just absolutely amazing and of course it's no surprise the band that like changed my entire life changed everything i do when you think of deftone or i mean when you think of art you think of (laughs) deftones deftones are everything to me you know i just i just purchased the uh be quiet and drive as we were recording this i I bought be quiet and drive on vinyl (laughs) because my auction was ending on ebay but now i got it now i got all the singles all everything on vinyl that could possibly be owned by Deftones. Now I own it all. So I'm really happy about that. They are everything. I want to go see them for the 20th time at the Rose Bowl with The Cure, which is super random, but I'm really excited for that show. But yeah, Deftones is my number one. There you go. And Eric. I got to go. First and foremost, I've always got to put any type of list like this, I always got to put an honorable mention for uh, Cradle of Filth. I'm not a fan of them. I don't like them anymore. I don't like Cruelty and the Beast. (laughs) They're not, you know, but I can't deny the fact that that was the singular moment. So they've got to go on some sort of a list. Exactly. They get the tip of the hat, just like Jacob tried to pantomime to me. Um, Oh, is that You know, that's, that's, uh, so there's always that. Um, at number six, I got to put up, uh, I'm, right now, I probably got to put over Fear Factory, um, specifically obsolete, you know what I mean? That heavy, you know, music when I got in high school, there was nothing like it and how tight it was and just that distortion without being messy, you know what I mean? It was a lot like Rammstein's uh, guitars in that it was distorted but very clean. tight, very clean, yeah. And that was my first introduction to that and they were just fucking heavy and brutal. Um, at number five, I got to put a little bit more of a recent band and that is Talk. Um, they are a death and roll band, basically, and it's it's just uh, a band that I fucking uh, love. They and they're one of the few bands I believe they're from uh, Norway, and they're one of the few bands that hasn't acclimated and uh, started singing English. They still sing in their native tongue, whatever whatever country they're from, which I fucking totally get. And they are just fast and ballsy and riffs, and it's just yeah, it's death and roll. You know what I mean? Um, seeing them live was fantastic. Um, number four, I probably I probably have to go Tool. Um, because tool oh, and yeah. and you know what and and you know what I just thought about it you know hearing art talk about it I probably also got to put art in that particular spot right there because you know when I hear a lot more of the more conceptual albums things like you know the ocean or you know even to a lesser extent but still kind of similar like Cohen and Cambria or you know stuff where it's not necessarily the heaviest of music but it's still like interesting there's an overarching story there's all sorts of little things going on in the background it's proggier you know what I mean Pink Floyd Pink Floydish yeah Tool is what got me primed for that and Tool I think is probably still the best edit. But uh, they're the ones that kind of got me set to that. And art art as well is is the one that got hip to it. Um, at number three, I got to put Slayer. Um, of the big four, Slayer is my favorite band. Um, and I will say that, uh, no offense, Jacob, um, in the 80s, if I had the chance to see the big four, I'm going to go see, see them all. I'm going to see Megadeth. I'm going to see Anthrax. I'm going to see Metallica. I'm going to see Slayer. And it's going to be an amazing time together, separate, whatever. Oh, my God. At that time, amazing. Today... The only one I want to see today is still Slayer. You know what I mean? That is the one that I would still really care about and really get you know my rocks off on. You know, um, number two, I gotta I gotta put Kill Switch Engage in that slot because while Fear Factor uh, was like kind of kept me in the genre. God bless Joe Rogan. Um, Kill, <laughs> <laughs> Kill Switch Engage is the one that got me all over the place. You know what I mean? They gave me Shadows Fall and Behemoth and Lamb of God and all that stuff. Um, 
Shout out to and Bohemoth. God damn, I, I haven't heard Behemoth. that name in a while. Oh my god, I love Bohemoth. Their last album is fantastic. Um, I love Judge Darkest. Um, and at number one, number one has got to be Black Sabbath. Um, and for me, uh, Black Sabbath is Tony Iommi on guitar because the the thing is that it is a very blues based sound. Um, it is uh, that English, you know, that English sound. You know, a lot of stuff coming out of England is very blues based. Um, but it's, it was the first music to sound scary and the riffs sound scary. You know what I mean? And the music is great. The music is, you know, the, the, the drums are all over the place. The, the, the Gator bass is beating, you know, too, it's man. just fucking driving. That bass is driving. Tony Owens guitar playing is wicked. And the songs are great. Like even Iron Man, like everyone knows that one riff, but Iron Man is a six minute song with like a three minute awesome breakdown at the end. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, no I one totally ever, agree. no one ever gives, uh, the credit to the musicality of that band. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. There's so a that's, jam band effect to it. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, Sabbath, Sabbath for me is the end all be all as far as that goes. So, mm-hmm. yep. That Pretty is a good it. list. Hell yeah. Yep. All right, because I have to piss uh, hard. Do you want to... Shout out Elizabeth Jackman, shout out Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) Eric, do your thing. All right. So now that we are done complete and uh, we have all kind of jacked off ourselves for for mental, I think it was good. It wasn't just our stories. It was a lot of discussion around it. I think we needed this kind of episode, though, because like... And I know I gave you guys a lot of shit during the week. I was like, I don't want to do this, this type of... But I think this is good because we got really research heavy. And I think we just need a relaxing episode like this just to shoot the shit. And, you know... Bring the creative uh, juices. Yeah, but back. still be passionate about it. You know what I mean? We're yeah. not just kind of, it's not just lists. Like we're, we're giving our perception and our side of that story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we need to our thoughts shit. on it. it. was We got a little philosophical there. There you, know? you go. But now that we're done waxing poetic, Bye. tell your mama you move it too. And uh, go to the Facebook page, like the Art and Jacob uh, Do America Facebook page. Join the Art and Jacob Do America Facebook group. Join the conversation. Maybe add in some topic suggestions. You know, what do you want to hear us ramble about and get passionate about? Um, after you're done that, yeah, you, know, you can go to YouTube and you can subscribe to our page on that. And actually, if you're watching it live right now, you can see our beautiful, beautiful faces. Like I said, Art's a very good looking man. And you can see us do this pretty much every time we record live. You know, we can watch us do it live. You can leave comments, join that conversation. You can well. check out this gold microphone. Gold, baby. Microphone stand. The golden beaner. <laughs> after you're done looking us uh, looking us up on youtube you can look us up individually on instagram uh, art over here is at robots versus robots that's robots vs robots jacob over here has his own personal account but basically he doesn't use it so he basically is just at art and jacob do america and you can find me at eb castillo the first that is eb as in ben castillo the first with the number one uh, you can also find me on twitter at eb castillo two um, and I try, I, uh, I don't try very hard, but I do try to be active on it. <laughs> uh, if you want to get us, you can get us individually those ways, or you can get all three of us at the same time at art and Jacob do America at gmail.com. You know what I mean? And after you send us that Gmail, you can stay on Google and you can look up this podcast and you can like rate review, subscribe at iTunes. Uh, we're on Spotify. You can go to, uh, I use pocket cast, whatever your podcatcher of choice is. You can go to our Podbean. And also, too, if you have a Google Assistant or Alexa, I didn't know this, but my girlfriend did this the other day. You can say, hey, Google, play Art and Jacob Do America, and it will play. Oh, my God. You just had someone's Google. Like, this is meta. We should start the episode with that. Dude. Hey, Google. (laughs) No, you actually just did that in someone's kitchen while they were listening to this on the phone, and now they're getting Art and Jacob Do America, like, in stereo. stereo. That's some meta shit right there. 
fucking so you know do all that great stuff uh, uh, you know send us gifts get art Ben Shapiro videos of him stuttering uh, get Jacob like all your hate mail and whatnot. You can send me nudes, do all of that stuff, and then after after you're done doing all of that stuff specific to us, you can go to the things affiliated with us, and such as going to Fight Back CBD at FightBackCBD.com, Fight Back CBD on Instagram and on Facebook. This is 100% organic, 100% THC free, fucking uh, CBD. It's just pure stuff made in the U.S. of A. It is tested independently by independent third-party labs. You're getting pure stuff. You are getting literally handcrafted stuff. The bottles that we all got in the mail not too long ago were individually hand-numbered for each batch that they're in. Um, this stuff, uh, this brand supports MMA fighters. It supports Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes. It, profesh- it uh, supports pro wrestlers. It supports us. And uh, it also puts a lot of money and awareness towards uh, various mental health organizations. And it's also the best CBD out there. And I'm not just saying that because they're our sponsor or whatnot, but... Every podcast now has their own CBD, and you look at it, you look at what they do or whatever, and it's just like, to me, the rest of them are just boo-boo compared yep. to the fight back. They they hit all the points we love, you know, like you said, you know, MMA, wrestling, you know, mental illness and whatnot. But like I said, their product alone is the best product I feel like on the market. If they never sponsored us, I'd still buy their shit. If you go to their website, and, you know, he's working right now on vape cartridges, um, and he'll he's actually selling some kind of... He, for a cheaper price, some vape cartridges that didn't come out quite the way he wants, but he's got them. You know why? Because he's making them by hand, because they are handcrafted, because he is putting his love and support and his feelings and figuratively his blood, sweat, and tears into it. Not literally, I promise. I'm sure that would be some hey, sort of violation. Go ahead, man. Some of the best tacos have fucking sweat. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, Fight Back CBD, great fucking company um, that's doing a lot for us. They also have rash guards and... Uh, just saying that I wear a size A2 Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gi. Just putting that out there for anyone. Oh, mostly black and blue as well. Uh, I'll take a white, but, you know, I'm saying just whatever. Um, you can also go to notdeadgetapparel.com. Uh, they also have a bunch of great uh, streetwear, a lot of athletic stuff for jiu-jitsu. Um, they have patches, uh, rash guards. You can get sports bras. My girlfriend has two of their sports bras, and they are a couple of the best sports bras she's ever had. And uh, that is no bullshit. I bought her one. Uh, and she loved it so much that, unbeknownst to me, she bought one on her own. And when she bought it herself, she bought it using code EB Castillo at <laughs> checkout, and she got 10% off. So, you know. And a free lightsaber. <laughs> and they also, depending on what uh, clothing line you go with, they also support breast cancer awareness, human trafficking awareness. They they have a bunch of great organizations that they also try to put over on a regular basis. So not dead yet pro.com, code EB Castillo, EB as in Ben. Uh, at checkout for ten percent off, and I think that about covers all of the uh, all of the housekeeping. Oh yeah! By the way, Iron Man is pretty cool. Have a good night. <laughs> so with that said, everybody, I'm Jacob. That's Art. This is Eric. Hi. Have Hello. a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful night. Be good out there. The thing to do in the evenings was to go and hang out around the phone box, because <laughs> huh? that was the only light source in the whole village, you know. And, and it was in the middle, so everybody used to go and hang around and swap dirty stories and shit, you know. If there was any luckless women walking past, you know, it was just fucking hopeless, you know, really. But that's like any small town in any nation. It comes from growing up in a place like Des Moines, you know, and there's more people that grow up in places like that than you'll ever, ever imagine. I mean, the disaffected. It's, uh, 
It's a place where churches outnumber everything. It's a place where you grow up in a cemetery because it's the only place that really has anything to do. It's a place where your friends would rather kill themselves than use their imagination. I mean, there's nothing around you, so you have to basically grow this whole other world in your head. And that really makes for strong personalities, and that's why a lot of the people that come from Iowa are probably the, the sickest I've ever seen. On a Saturday night, um, you know, you hear guns. You, you just hear them. And it's not even really a, what was that? Was that a gun? It's like they're shooting again. It was Saturday night, you know. So it inevitably becomes part of, it becomes, I guess, what Lamb of God is about. It becomes part of the landscape. It becomes part of your psyche. Yeah. Mm. Kids are bored, agitated. Um, you know, if they, especially if they have problems at home. Parents, drug addiction, alcoholism. It all contributes to, uh, a, a, you know, the product of, you know, a young, angry musician. <laughs> It's a negation of sort of the, the world as it's handed to you. It just says, you know what, I, like this daily existence of this boring ass high school or this dead end Dairy Queen job, just no, like this, this is something that's mine and that I own and fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs>